Today's episode of the Two Tools Baseball podcast covers MLB All-April team, the AL and the NL Players of the Week, new news on Robinson Cano and Trevor Bauer, and who do you have in your top 10 power rankings? We'll tell you ours. Coming up now. Hello, listeners. My name is Alex Jonitz, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Travis Miller. I am more of a stats nerd, and he was a total stud on his D3 college team. And this is the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Enjoy. What's going on, listeners? Welcome back to another episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast, episode 59. Alex and I are coming to you live May 2nd, Monday night. Alex, finally out of April. We're now into May. Yes. Hopefully this is where you see the players and the teams that we've been studying and we've been watching run away with things. But uh, today's episode, pretty exciting. We'll go over the power rankings, me and Alex's power rankings, uh, who we got in the top 10 after the first month of baseball, and also talk about our all-April team, going over our all-MLB team, the players that have really made the most noise throughout the month of April. We'll, of course, keep doing this as the months go on. Uh, Same thing we did last year during the podcast for every month's review. But Alex, let's take a deep dive in and kind of start with uh, some of the news that came out today with the awards. Taylor Ward, Willie Adamas, Players of the Week for the AL and, and National League. So we'll start first, a little briefly, Willie Adamas. Great week that he had for the Brewers. Uh, the Brewers are currently first in uh, in their division right now. Uh, actually, this week, four home runs and a 12.03 OPS. Uh, quickly, thoughts on, on Willie Adamas' week? Yeah, I mean, he... I think in order for the uh, the Brewers to be successful, he probably has to be a productive player. Uh, when they traded for him last season, it really kind of changed the course of their season, I feel like, for the better. And uh, seeing, I know he had a kind of a rough start, I think, the first couple of weeks maybe. I remember at one point I checked like his baseball reference and his batting average was like below 200 like er- early on, first couple of weeks. And so it's good to see him bounce back into form. I think... Um, I think the best version of him is like a top 10 shortstop in baseball. So if they can get someone like that for this season, then uh, it's going to help their, their offense that much more. So Really flourished when leaving Tampa Bay. It was a good deal for both teams because Tampa Bay has, of course, Wander Franco. They needed mm-hmm. to get Adamas out of there. And, of course, Adamas is doing very well for the Brewers. So I think it's a very good trade so far that both teams are happy with. Alex, now we'll talk about our guy. Angels outfielder Taylor Ward sidelined the first week of the season with uh, a little, I think it was a groin injury. And I know me and you just, it was a headache because it was the start of another injury, you know, a important guy to be on the injured list to start the season off. So of course we were upset, but ever since he came back, he has been one of the best, if not one of the best hitter in the American league in major league baseball. But this week, rightfully so, took home the AL Player of the Week. Uh, This week, Alex, he slashed 448, 484, and 1,000. So a 1,000 slugging percentage this week, had four home runs, a home run, actually two home runs on Monday night's game against the Guardians, which we went to. Yes. And then, of course, the Grand Slam later on in that series. That that really just made it apparent that Taylor Ward has come onto the stage. He is ready for the big moments. And I think we saw, too, ESPN – MLB, they were actually starting to announce Taylor Ward's name, so he's getting the national recognition. People on the East Coast, 
probably could not even tell you who Taylor Ward is until uh, that Guardian series was over. But of course, he brought his talents and his skill set to the south side of Chicago. Alex, first AB against the White Sox against Giolito took him out of the yard. That right there, of course, was, uh, I think, the cherry on top that Ward was going to be the player of the week. Um, give me your thoughts on Taylor Ward so far this season and this this past week. Yeah, I think that, uh, obviously, we've been you know, really hoping that he kind of finds himself in the big leagues, Travis. But I think if I told you back in spring training, I think if I told you, Travis, three weeks into the season, four weeks in the season, MLB official Twitter account will be tweeting about Taylor Ward why will it be? And you probably would have guessed like, oh, some crazy error or like you probably would have guessed something that was not like or, oh. or like a cycle, maybe, you know, just a cool game he had or something like that. But like to, to be to be the guy who is like, oh, we're shouting this guy out because of like his two home run game and because of his player of the week. You know, that's something that definitely <laughs> Angel fans are super pumped for. But um, I think a lot of us, you know. We're banking on like an Adele Marsh uh, corner outfield scenario, but Ward has definitely claimed his spot. Deserves to be playing every single game, and in the last week of baseball, has been you know the best player in the American League. So there's really no dispute, no no dispute there. So he uh, he earned the spot, and I'm glad to see him th- uh, flourish. He definitely did. And if you would have told me his OPS through April, then I really would have said, okay, what's going on here? I this guy can't do that. I mean, it, it just makes no sense. He's up there right now with Mike Trout as the best hitter in Major League Baseball. Um, but those are your two player of the weeks. We just wanted, of course, highlight Taylor Ward, what he's done so far. It's been, um, it's honestly been so shocking, but it's been so nice to have since, of course, Otani is off to a little bit of a slow start. He'll pick things back up, I guarantee it. But it's nice to have Taylor Ward really be a elite, elite leadoff guy right now to start the season off. Uh, moving to our next kind of topic, Alex. You kind of pointed out a couple minutes ago, but we'll kind of move to it. Uh, you know, the news that happened about five weeks ago with Justin Upton being designated for assignment, and it was a huge surprise for all Angel fans. A guy like that being paid that much money, not very productive, of course, but we knew that he was going to be on the bench most likely and have to split time with Ward, with Brandon Marsh, and with, of course, uh, Joe Adele. He gets, uh, of course, designated for assignment. Right now, Alex, it's looking like one of the best moves by the Angels organization so far. What the players that have been doing alongside him now, Marsh, Adele, Ward, of course, Mike Trout, they're off to a very hot and good start. Uh, what are your thoughts so far on that, you know, successful move before the season started? Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with Perry Manassian, the GM of the Angels, um, with his uh, – he's very okay with not being sentimental and holding on to players – that we kind of signed and hoped that they would be a big part of the future. He's okay with saying, okay, it's a sunk cost. We have to pay him if he's on the team. We have to pay him if he leaves. Let's just do what's best baseball-wise, the best baseball decision for the team. And he thought that was playing the young guys, which I really did agree with. Adele, Martian, Ward are all guys that deserved a shot on the big league team. And uh, especially Ward has really seized the opportunity. Adele and Marsh have both already had their really good moments. War- uh, Marsh has established himself as a great defender and a really good above-average hitter. And then Adele um, has had both struggles and also successes so far this season. But um, seeing his like you know grand slam against the Orioles and like just other stuff that he's done so far this season reminds you that you know he is only 21 and still getting better and better. So very true I, at the I, age. I, yeah, I, I'd rather have him. Um, getting reps then uh you know Upton who had a good career behind him but 
Um, even though I think Upton still does have use for a team. He's not been signed yet, but a team, if they have a a, a really good left-handed outfielder that cannot hit uh, lefties, you get Upton and he becomes the the backup, like the the fourth outfielder type. Very true. Upton can be that kind of guy for a playoff team. Honestly, he could be like a Solaire of last year. My, I don't really see him hitting a, a you know game winning <laughs> game winning yeah. home run in Game Six of the World Series, but um, he can for sure be a valuable platoon player, bench bat for a good team, a hundred percent. But I think for the Angels, for the course of the full season, makes sense to give the the young guys a chance to uh, earn their keep, and they're doing that. So, and especially with Taylor Ward. The way he's playing right now, uh, he's making that decision look very, very good. I'm pretty sure Perry Manassian is very happy with that, with Taylor Ward, that he's really, uh, you know, backing up Perry's decision uh, earlier this year to uh, to designate Justin Upton. Uh, Alex, another guy being designated for assignment we just found out today, Robinson Cano. The uh, almost was going to be a lock for Cooperstown. Had, of course, the trouble with the uh, PEDs, had a couple right. suspensions, two suspensions, I believe. Um, and, you know, you do it once, okay, but you do it twice, that's definitely a, uh, a very bad look and a very bad uh, habit right there. So uh, he, of course, is designated for assignment by the Mets. So they're kind of, of course, following the uh, Angels' footsteps of the past couple of years with Albert Pujols and, of course, Justin Upton, two all-star level players all-stars in their past not in their future same with robinson cano but i had i saw a quote today and the uh, the owner of the mets was perfectly okay with eating up 40 million dollars and saying you know what we're committed to winning here i don't want to have this guy on my team because we owe him money i can pay him 40 million dollars and he can literally go play for someone else or of course not not play again if no one wants to pick him up but um your thoughts, of course, on that move by the Mets. Yeah, uh, I think it's also smart as well. Um, I think it's called like the sunk cost fallacy, which is like you might think that you're losing value or something because you're paying a guy who's not on your team, but you're paying him anyways. Exactly. If he's here or he's gone, you're paying him. That part does not change. All that changes is he going to help or hurt your team? <laughs> is who's going to be in the batter's box in the big yeah. moments? Who's going to be playing second base in the big moments? And uh, I think that they didn't want Cano to be in that spot. They thought he was too old. He did have, a, uh, I think, a solid spring training. So I think someone gets him. Someone picks him up probably. DH, first base, you know, even Pl second base too. Platoon in those kind of spots, yeah. But um, I think that he uh, – what the Mets are trying to do, they're trying to be a contender. They're trying to be a World Series contender. They're trying to win the NL if they can. Um, at least their division, NL East, if possible. And if that's their goal, they don't want anyone holding them back. So I respect the move a lot. And uh, I think it'll probably turn out for the best for them. And that's a good point because you're so right. He, you know, he's going to get paid either way. I mean, he could literally have a negative one war and you paid him the 20 something million he, he paid dollars him to make you worse exactly when you can cut him and then you can pay him exactly. have someone else take, exactly. his, take his ab's exactly and so it's a good move and i know a lot of teams are probably going to start looking at that as you know moving towards the future with you know younger stars uh players that are actually going to be productive uh just cut i mean it sucks to say but just cut the old guys you know i know they're going to be making the money they're not going to be upset but 
Um, if it's for the better of the team and the way the Mets want to perform this year, it's World Series or bust. They need to make sure they have the right performers on the roster to put themselves in that position. But that, of course, kind of sums up the, uh, of course, the designated for assignment players of the past like 30 to 35 days of Major League Baseball, talking about Upton and, of course, Robinson Cano. Uh, now, of course, we'll talk about one player, Alex, that just came out this week, two-year suspension for Trevor Bauer, according to MLB. Uh, Commissioner uh, Rob Manfred will suspend him for two years. Bauer will, of course, counter it. So it will be interesting to see how all that goes. There are players, I will say, though, that might have done worse things to people and have gotten well, less time. We'll, of course, dig into that you know, in, in a later episode or once, once, the, once the news comes out. But... I guess what's a little bit of your take on the on that whole two year suspension? Yeah, I mean, when it comes down to it, uh, a lot of people who defend Bauer, I, I don't want to get too much into this because you know, uh, even though it's baseball related, we like to keep it about you know most stuff on the field. But uh, my my opinion is he essentially was found criminal, like innocent uh, in the criminal case. Uh, someone made a really good point on Twitter: you could be found innocent in court. You can not break the law. You can do something like that where uh, a court does not find you guilty, but get fired from work. Right? Exactly. Yeah. That's kind of what's almost happening, right? He's his employer determined his actions were inappropriate, uh, and that he deserved suspension based on uh, sexual assault uh, guidelines in you know the MLBPA, uh, you know the rules and the rules regulations that they all have to follow. So um, I'm of the opinion that the suspension by MLB. Uh, is fair and if MLB is going to suspend you for two years I promise you they didn't find nothing they're not making up that number for no reason um other players have gotten uh domestic violence suspensions for a lot shorter than that uh I'm not sure if this is the MLB saying they want to be uh more I guess uh, what's the word they, I don't know if they want to be like more punishing just to promote it even less or if they're just saying that this was one of the worst instances that they've you know had recently, but either way, I think that um, MLB is doing its job in suspending him. Uh, there's going to be some sort of counter movement, I'm sure, of some you know rogue fans saying let Bauer back, but um, I think that it's he's going to have a really hard time reducing the suspension. Um, he's going to appeal, like you said, but I think that he. It's going to end up serving probably around a two-year suspension, and I think that that's probably very deserved. So, uh, don't want to get too much into it beyond that. But, um, we'll, like you said, we'll keep reporting the news as it comes out about the case and all that stuff in terms of MLB versus Bauer kind of thing. But um, I think it's important just to note that just because the court did not say you're guilty, you're going to jail, that doesn't mean you did nothing wrong, and that doesn't mean your employer can't punish you. So, and that's a great point to put because I mean there's thousands of instances where that things like that happen where the employer will of course say we just don't need that kind of attitude you know around here because we know it happened yeah you, you, it, it wasn't criminal but we know it you, happened you, you can you can be you can be a uh you could do uh sexual harassment in the workplace that's not what happened with him he was yeah. not at the workplace but you can do that in the workplace at your job and you're not going to go to jail necessarily but you can get fired so definitely definitely and, and one thing i did think of when the uh, suspension came and it's just it's kind of interesting to think about I, I know of course Bauer was very active always has been very active on Twitter on social media and I know he's pointed out or he's called out Rob Manfred a bunch of times about things yeah and I wonder if Rob Manfred just thought well here's my time to punish you you know 
things that, of course, you can't really hold against him if he's talking about, you know, past things for, you know, the way that the baseballs are or the Houston Astros 2017, you know, team or something like that. Just tweets that Bauer has put out about Rob Manfred not doing his job or things like that. I wonder if Manfred now held a grudge and, uh, you know, just thought, OK, now I'll punish you, Bauer. It's yeah. my turn. And, but And I really don't know how it works, but I, I imagine that the two years is not something that Manfred just creates and yeah. then like throws out there i assume that there's like some sort of panel or a team or something but uh we're both not really experts on the, how, the, how the mlb handles this stuff, I, I really don't want to i really don't care about that kind of stuff going on in the world i mean it's kind of yeah it's, it's like try, try, try the legal stuff can just happen yeah yeah i mean just hopefully uh it you know keeps happening less and less and uh hopefully the mlb continues to punish it where they see it so uh, probably good to move on, I think. <laughs> Definitely. What's uh, next on the list? We'll now uh, we'll now head into the power rankings, Alex. And this is kind of our first time making our power rankings since the preseason uh, preview before the season started. Uh, the, before that last episode, before the season started. But uh, just first, want to talk about the top ten teams that we've seen so far in the month of April. Uh, teams that, of course, have made the biggest jumps. Some teams, of course, that have made the biggest you know drop offs. Over the past, you know, 20 to 25 games, but we'll take a deep dive in right now. And of course, we'll also talk about the latest rankings that MLB put out and kind of give our reaction to what we saw there. But Alex, we'll start with you. Give me your 10 down all the way to six. We'll do the first half and then the second half of uh, of the top 10. But give me your uh, six through 10. Okay. Uh, just, just to be clear, also, um, if we set any records and stuff, we're not talking about... Um, we're not talking about stuff that happened today, yesterday. Just no, just, exactly. This, yep. this is an April power rankings for you folks at home. So I'll start at ten going up. And I, and I will say I, I'm I'm pretty confident, Alex. I think we'll have very close. I think we'll have this, the the same ten teams. I, don't, I I just have a feeling. I promise you, we don't. Okay, I, right. I, I'm telling you right now. That's, that's my gut. Wow. Okay. Th- All right. Th- that's my assumption because I, I thought to myself this could be the very easiest ten teams. Really that i've seen in a while now, it's just that the ranking is going to be different now i'm very interested because um i see what you mean in terms of like who's leading their divisions right now and stuff like that i just think that it's so early that it's so hard to kind of say do i want to be talking about the teams i think that are going to be trending upwards or is it am i just talking about like what's your record right now or do i care about run differential or win loss record there's so many ways to Mm -hmm. kind of do it so i'll just say that what i really focused on was i care a lot about run differential because if you're a 500 team but you score one more run than your opponent every game i say oh well you should be a winning team but you just haven't it's just been too short of a season so far for us to really see it anyways i'll go 10 to 6 okay I think there will be some surprises or at least some big jumps in uh, the order between you and I. Okay. Number 10 is the Phillies. Okay. So I think it, my guess is it's already a team That's that you didn't already, have. We're already different, yeah. <laughs> that, I think that may be the only one. I just figured you wouldn't have them. But I'll okay. explain that later. Nine, I have the Astros. Eight, I have the Blue Jays. Seven, I have the Padres. And six, I have the Angels. Okay. So a lot of heavy hitters, I think, in my bottom half with the Astros and Blue Jays. But go ahead and give me yours. Definitely, definitely do. Um, number 10 for me, I have the St. Louis Cardinals. Number nine, I have the Minnesota Twins. Eight, the Toronto Blue Jays, same as you. Seven, I have the Milwaukee Brewers. And six, I have the San Francisco Giants. So that is my bottom half of the 10. All I know is I think we had number eight exactly the same. Everything else was completely different, so I'm actually really stunned now. Yeah, I was. So I was making this list this morning, and I thought to myself, I think me and Alex are are going to be pretty, 
pretty similar because I, I thought I thought to myself this could be pretty easy of a top 10 but talk to me about Phillies first I I know sure. um I'll mention out there right now they're on they're number 19 on MLBs so they're they're almost in the 20s which is an area where you do not want to be of course sure. you know, right now in the season but talk to me about Philly so this is I believe up to yesterday I don't know how to filter out like that first game of the month or whatever yep. but um so what I'm seeing here on baseball reference they are uh 11 and 12 uh might have been 11 11 in the month and then they have a point a positive 0.3 run differential so they actually are scoring about 4.6 runs a game and they're allowing 4.3 so they're scoring more than they're allowing even though the record's about 500 they also have had a very difficult strength of schedule i think they are currently in their third series against the mets already and mm -hmm. the mets have the best record in baseball if i'm not mistaken mm -hmm. or at least up there so um i think that they've so far had a, a lot of difficult i think they played the rockies twice too who were like one of the hottest teams in the first two weeks mm -hmm. so i think that the met uh sorry the phillies have had uh not only a difficult schedule but have been positive in terms of scoring runs versus allowing runs i think their pitching finds a groove wheeler is not the same guy he was last year so far um i think nola is still a really elite pitcher and i think that the bats are going to come around shorber started slower but has gotten hotter and if you're wondering at home why i care about run differential over just like what's your wins and losses um run differential is just going to kind of stabilize quicker it's going to kind of tell you who's scoring runs and who's not allowing runs. Travis, last year, famously, the Blue Jays were like a top three team in baseball yep. in run differential. The wins, losses just did not end up going their way, but you could tell at the end they were getting hot. And like you said yourself, I think last year, if they made the playoffs, they would have kind of tore through the AL. Uh, would have gone off, yeah. So, um, and now, of course, that really trends positively to this season for them. They kind of entered the series, entered the season as like almost a favorite to win the AL mm -hmm. um, preseason stuff. So mm -hmm. that's why I like the Phillies. Um, strength of schedule was difficult and their uh, run differential is actually positive so i do think that they're going to trend upwards it'll be a difficult division to win i'm not saying they're going to win it because i think the braves who have started slowly will probably pick it up at some point at least and then the mets have been super dominant so um yeah i think that you know they're a team who i wanted to give a, they're almost like my sneaky team they yep. kind of snuck in mm -hmm. and got that 10th mm -hmm. spot so um who else was a big difference i, mean, I, guess, I guess i guess knowing you i i, I should have known better that you're not going to judge on record, which is which is a smart way to look at things, because I, I can definitely think of some teams on here where the record's not as good as you think it would be, but you would definitely see them as a power team. Um, your next team, Houston Astros, uh, right now, at, well, the rankings right now I have, of course, a couple of days into May, 11-11, uh, and 11, so they are playing 500 baseball, yeah. but of course, a negative run differential. So a little bit of a struggle for the Astros, but I know we've talked about it week after week. The Astros are still going to be a top lineup, a top pitching staff um but give me give me kind of why you thought there's they should make the top 10 right now yeah so my list um one thing i feel i guess kind of weird about or bad about or something is um it's a little inconsistent in terms of including teams i think that are i'm trying to factor in how good you're playing and i'm also trying to figure out how good are you gonna be mm -hmm. and the Astros are a team that is gonna be in the playoffs mm -hmm. i can almost guarantee it I mean, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to speak. <laughs> no, in, I, I, know, I don't want to speak in certainties because every year there's a surprise. Like last year, I think everyone thought the Braves are going to be like a lock, and they yeah. they made it in like the last two weeks of the season. They yep. made it in, so anything is possible, of course. But you're right, a negative run differential for the Astros. 
Um, the offense has been slow to start. I think that Tucker had, I think I said an episode or two ago, one of the unluckiest starts of the season. I think that Payne has been such a bright spot. They've had injuries and IL stints and paternity leaves and COVID watches. Mm-hmm. They've had all kinds of stuff go wrong with them. I also think that Dusty Baker, Travis, my personal opinion is that Dusty Baker does not know how to create a batting order. It's not the end-all <laughs> be-all of a team, the batting order, but there's a game the other day where he was batting Nico Goodrum, like second, mm-hmm. and Kyle Tucker, sixth. He's never batted Kyle Tucker anywhere but sixth, and Tucker might be like the second or third or some someday is the best hitter on the team. Like, yeah. He's one of the yeah. best players on the team. He bats him sixth no matter what. Jeremy Pena, who's a rookie, who is great, he had no problem, like, after a first hot week, he started batting on leadoff. Like, yeah. He had no problem promoting him up there. But Tucker's never gotten that treatment. I think he just probably wants an even batting order is probably his mindset. But I still think that, you know, if especially if your Don is, you know, I, I think your Don and Tucker could be a great 2-4 combo. Bregman in the three-hole because he's, like, kind of the righty that breaks, yeah. that breaks up the lefties. Altuve, Tucker, Bregman, out there, you know. Something like that, yeah. yeah. And yeah. then, yeah. Gurriel, yeah. fifth, you yeah. know. Or yeah. even Brantley. Or Brantley, Brantley Pena. Could, yeah. I mean, it's so deep, but Tucker is just so good. Um, when he's right. So, and I think he's going to get hot here at some point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that uh, there's too much upside with the team. Verlander has been so far so good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was, he was a question mark for me going into the season. He's probably one of the reasons why I didn't say, oh, this team's going to win the AL for sure next year yep. because I wasn't sure what the staff was going to be like. But so far, Framber has been really good and Verlander's been good. I think Verlander leads MLB in whip. If I'm not mistaken. Oh, really? right here. He's a top three guy. He's he's been very good with He beats him walks. in the zone. Yeah. Yes. He does not walk in guys. Um, yeah, that's a good point. He's beating guys in the zone for sure. Uh yeah, I think there's a lot to like about the Astros, even though the record, the run <laughs> differential is not there yet. I think the upside of the players is just too big to kind of count them out. So they made my team. That's why they're at the bottom, right? Yeah, because of course, if of we're course. talking about potential, like who do I want to not play in a series? They'd be like top three for me. Like, I don't want to play them in a series. Like they're a scary team, at least in my eyes. But Travis. Another team that I did not include on my power rankings that you did is the Twins. And I honestly do feel a bit bad about it because I think that they, they've they kind of deserved it. They kind of do deserve it. Plus 24 differential, 14-9, yes. 9-1 nine, nine in their last 10. So, of course, the last half of the month, they have been on a hot streak. The first 14 days of the month or, the, or the, of games, you know, almost getting a no hit perfecto by Kershaw twins just look down the dumps another disappointing year Buxton's hurt how long is he going to be hurt ever since he he's come back I will say they did have that one win that was pretty ridiculous by the uh Detroit mm-hmm. Tigers with the overthrow you saw that late That's in right. the game that was kind of just a you, you take those kind of wins you know but uh I want to, of course talk about them for a little bit just with the twins uh you know on the hot streak and I know of course you're probably thinking too they definitely deserve a shot here because if we're talking about uh, you know, and we can all be honest here. You know, if if your team, who would you rather play, the Twins or the Astros in a playoff series? I think we'd all say the Twins. You know, right? We don't want to play the Astros. We just know that they're going to be a good team. So I understand why they're still heavy hitters on the power rankings. But at the same time, they've had a disappointing first month. Um, they'll pick things up. I'm pretty sure and confident. But um, I, of course, for me, wanted to punish them, not allow them on the top 10. They're, of course, probably knocking on the door if I had to go down to 15. If I had to make a top 15, Astros have got to be on that top 15, as well as some of these other teams like the White Sox and probably, you know, looking at the Phillies and the Braves. But um, uh, but I, good point about the... Uh, I, I want to say on the Twins real quick, um, their win streak is impressive, but I think all they really did was they beat uh, the White Sox, who have a losing record mm-hmm. there. 
uh, just split, uh, they just split with the Angels. Yep. So um, they obviously do have. There's a very good chance they'll be okay, right? There's a very good chance that they're going to get their guys back from injury. Guys like Lynn, um, guys Joe like Mankata. Yep. Yeah, so yep. they have guys that are they're missing Jimenez, right now. Yep. Um, but when those guys come back, they probably are okay. But right now, they've been in the dump. So Minnesota beat up on them. They actually lost a series to Kansas City. They lost or they split a series with Boston, who I think is not that hot so far. Like there's a lot that's kind of like, huh? Meh, and, yeah. And, and, then, and then they... They swept the Tigers, who are an absolute mess this first month of the season. Yes. The Tigers are probably one of the most disappointing teams. They can definitely turn it around. Um, They're almost falling on the same spell as last year. The worst, you know, first two months were just terrible. Then, of course, they're playing the best baseball the last four months, but yeah. it's too late. Exactly, exactly. A good, it's a good comparison. And then they, in the in the month of April, they lost and won against the the Rays. So overall, I think that they have a lot to be excited about. The Twins winning record, um, good run, run differential. The strength strength of schedule has not been super impressive, and they've lost a lot of series to, um, or split series against you know teams that you know I think that they could be beating. Um, if they were like a real, real threat to win their uh, division. So we'll see how that pans out. That division is probably the weakest in baseball, in my mind at it least. It is. Because the, the Guardians started hot and really cooled off in a big way. They, I think they swept by the Yankees and then swept by the Angels. They had like seven losses in a row. And it's like you can't, you can't be... You can't be second place and have a seven-game losing streak and you know still be second place right now today. That division, um, they definitely have some teams that are very good and some teams that are very bad right now. So right, and then I think the bottom of that division kind of gets, you know, the the right now Detroit and the Royals. They can kind of it's almost like it feels like almost free wins for teams like the Twins yep. and stuff like that. Yep. So exactly, um, that's where I'm at. I actually spoiler, I don't think I ranked any team in the a, in the AL Central, and that's just because I'm not sure about that division. Okay, um, and how strong it's can it be but let's move on to five through one okay. and then we'll have everyone on the board we can talk freely about Perfect. you know all our teams so Perfect. five for me i have the brewers uh four i went with the giants three yankees two dodgers one mets that's my top five interesting all who, right who all right have? so for five i have the angels uh moving up to the five spot top five number four i have the san diego padres number three new york yankees two Dodgers, one Mets. So I think the top three, we were in a, we are pretty pretty close on, or at least we got spot on with that one. Yes. Uh, we see the Mets, the Dodgers, and the Yankees being kind of your clear favorite top three in Major League Baseball right now. Um, the record says it. The run differential yeah. also says it. They've been really dominant. And you're in power. You're, you're, you're in power divisions, and you're performing that well. You definitely, um, you know, you definitely deserve to be in those top spots. So not too much to talk about that. I knew, of course, we probably have the very similar top, the same top three with the Mets, Dodgers, Yankees. Um, for me, I think you had Angels six, correct? Yes. Okay, so I had them five. So pretty, pretty similar. Pretty similar. Uh, I had Padres four. I think you had Padres six or seven. I had them seven. Seven. I okay. have Giants four. Okay. Above the Padres. Did you rank the Giants? I ranked the Giants six. Okay. So yeah, six on there, and then Brewers were at seven. So I kind of had the Brewers. That's all about the same tier. We have. same tier kind of stuff, and of course, uh, you know, looking at all that. The Brewers, of course, are in first place, have a good run, run differential, uh, plus 19. We knew, of course, they were going to be a you know a heavy favorite to uh, you know compete very well in the Central. So far, they've done it. Um, and then also Giants and Padres, very, very good so far with you know the Giants kind of still keeping up with the pack. Only a half game right now, looking at the standings tonight, a half game out from first place. Padres and Dodgers are both tied for first place. So 
that NL or that yeah that NL West is uh, you know that three-headed monster. Rockies, of course, still staying in it, have a negative run differential, of course. So I you know we do we are expecting them to fall off soon enough. And then the Diamondbacks, of course, still playing good baseball, eleven and thirteen. But um, I think we can all assume they're going to be the worst team in this division. Um, it's sad to say, but you know at least they're doing very well compared to the other last place teams in the league. Diamondbacks are one of the best so far. Um, for that, but uh, I guess talk to me, Alex, a little bit about uh, you know one team I did not hear at all in your rankings, and uh, just a little bit of a question mark. But St. Louis Cardinals, um, yes. Right now, I'm looking at the record, 13 and nine, uh, one and a half back between or from the Brewers, a plus 20 run differential. So they are, of course, scoring more runs than runs allowed and doing it very, very well. I think right now we're looking at. I think there's about only seven teams in Major League Baseball that have plus 20 or higher run differentials. So Cardinals, of course, are still doing a job. Kind of talk to me a little bit why uh, why St. Louis doesn't crack the uh, the top 10 for you. Yeah, sure. So the run differential, uh, like you said, is over 20. It's, it's, it's at 0.9 per game. So every game they're outscoring, they're putting up by about uh, almost a run. So that's very good. Um, that's above teams like the Brewers. It's above a team like the Phillies. Well, who I did rank in the 10 spot. For me, they were uh, definitely a contender for the 10 spot. For me, the 10 spot was between the Phillies, the Cardinals, and the Mariners. Uh, they all have a, you know... Uh, all those M's, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> um, but the, uh, the big difference for me between a team like the Phillies and the Cardinals, I think, is that the, uh, the Cardinals have had, uh, by the baseball reference like metric they have for strength of schedule, has been far easier so I'm pulling up right now who they've played. But like I said, the Phillies, um, I think they've you know had to run in the Mets like three times. They played the Rockies twice while the Rockies were really hot. One time was in Coors, and it's like playing in Coors is kind of a mess no matter you know, no matter what's going on. So I see uh, a lot of series against so they opened up with Pittsburgh, the Cardinals did, which is, you know, kind of easy. And then they went and beat um Kansas City, which is kind of a funny like one game series they had. Um only one, really. Yeah, it says that they went Pittsburgh three games to start the season, then Kansas City for one game. Interesting. Wow. And then they, <laughs> this, that's so weird. They, I, I think I remember them talking about that, and they're like, it's just one of those random one-game series that, who, you know. Who, who scheduled the Travis? Thursday, Saturday, Sunday was their opening series against Pittsburgh, and then Tuesday was Kansas City, and then Thursday was Milwaukee. I wonder if something got rained wow. out there or what, but wow. that's, that's really weird. But anyways. Yeah, I know they play the Royals right now. At Bush, they're playing him today, okay. uh, and so interesting enough that they literally just said, "We're going to give you these random off days, and you're going to play one game." But yeah, so they, they they did lose a series to the Mets, which is understandable. I'm not going to hit you too hard for that. Um, but then they beat up on Miami, they beat up on Cincinnati, who are both you know Cincinnati, is, especially is a team who uh, is Travis. They're down bad. If you're a oh, Reds they're, fan, they're I, I'm, historically I'm, bad this I'm, year. I'm very sorry for you. I think they have like three or four wins like on the whole year so far. Can't, can't three and nineteen. Can't yeah. imagine that's just that's just that's just brutal. Um, I think they split here with Milwaukee, which is a good thing if you're a, if you're a, a Cardinals fan. Uh, and then they also actually lost the series to Arizona, who wow. has been kind of hot the last week or so. So I think overall, there's a lot to like about what the Cardinals are right now and what they can be this season. But um, for me, they were not like a lock in my top ten. They were definitely like they'd be in the honorable mention category for me. Uh, I think they're a solid wild card contender. They could end up sneaking up on the Brewers and taking it from them, but strength of schedule wise, I think that that's been, I guess, uh, a weakness for them. 
for their their resume right now. And also the pitching staff, I don't know if I trust it for going down the stretch. I think Wainwright has sort of regressed to the mean a little bit because last season he had superstar ERA. He was getting, you know, uh, wild card game start. Maybe he's still their ace at the end of this year. But I think that um, if you're relying on Wainwright and then a bunch of other question marks uh, to kind of carry the distance, I just wouldn't be super hot about it. Um, maybe Mats or if a healthy Flaherty or like a Mikolas like steps up, maybe something can change. But um, yeah, I think that uh, where they're at right now to me says like uh, wild card contender versus like lock top 10. So um, game, I guess, you know, I'm not going to really ask you why you have the Cardinals above the Phillies because I think most people do have that. Yeah. But um, I guess I guess why do you like the Cardinals having to be like a lock in your top 10? Yeah, I mean, just I think with, with you know, looking at the one number of, you know, run differential, that of course is going to – I want that to play a, a big role in, you know, of course ranking these things because – like you said last year, you have the Mariners who you know almost made the playoffs and a huge negative run differential. Um, they're just not beating their opponents like other other teams are, and so yeah, they're, uh, they're getting beat hard and then they're they're barely squeaking wins. It's an apparent kind of look, and it's you almost want to take a deeper dive and analyze every game that they're winning and that they're losing. But um, you know, honestly, it's at, at the end of the day, though, also to a win's a win and a loss is a loss. So of course, I can I can definitely jump on that. But of course, when you talk about the power rankings, you want to talk about the teams that have just been kicking ass the most, or you know, kicking ass the best way. So uh, I think the Cardinals, of course, deserve to be in that top. Uh, 10 spot that's why i had them at number 10 uh they're going to be the last team on it but um i want to discuss something with you alex because of course mlb releases theirs every week and of course there's always one team or there's one area that we always have to just debate about and i think the comment section always goes off this week though they did have the tampa bay rays in the top 10 and right now of course the rays sit at a 12 and 10 record third in the east i think they're about four and a half or five and a half back in the division so of course uh yankees are really uh, i don't want to say running running away with the division but they are of course making a lot of noise so far but just going back to the race uh you know first couple series of the of the year you know they, they swept the orioles in the opening series and they just looked great they looked amazing i think they're they literally allowed four runs in three games against the orioles and I think they scored 15. So, I mean, they literally were going off great. But then they lose a series at home to the Oakland A's, which was a very big surprise. Then they lose a series on the road to the White Sox. Then, of course, they go to Chicago for the Cubs, win that series, win the series, the next series against the Boston Red Sox. But, of course, um, get on a hot streak and, of course, win the series against the Mariners. Then they lose the series to the Minnesota Twins. They've been playing some decent teams, I'll say, but uh, for me, and you didn't have them as well, but for me, top 10 right now, I don't think the Rays are on that level right now. I think that they are someone that's probably knocking on the door for the top 10, but I mean, give me your take so far on the Tampa Bay Rays so far for the month of April. Yeah, I, I agree that they are probably in that tier right outside the top 10 for me. Um they're probably very comparable to like a. I mean, the way the way the way the Miami Marlins have been playing, the way for me for my list like the Mariners, uh, that's probably about the same tier that I think the Rays should land in at this moment right now. A negative run differential on the season, as well as a negative strength of schedule in terms of the baseball reference uh, metric they use for that. I think they the baseball reference rates uh, strength of schedule by the teams you're playing. What's their, how many runs are they scoring and allowing, yeah. essentially? Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. um, 
the idea that the uh, Rays are a top 10 team with a negative run differential and a negative strength of schedule. Obviously, I think they're going to trend well. They will be in the hunt for the playoffs, most likely second half of the season. But right now, I don't really see them as being a top 10 team. I, I Honestly, I didn't really think about them yeah. to even include them yeah. because uh, the numbers are not there right there for them right now. Um, I think that they're a team who's so smart they're going to figure something out. But I agree with you. Having them at eight seems a little bit wrong. Also, I'll note on the MLB power rankings, one of the big differences is they have Angels at nine. We have them, we have them at six and five. Um, don't want to bash about our own team for the whole episode. <laughs> yeah. But um, I'll just note, Travis, that of all the teams in the top ten uh, – let me put it this way. All the teams in, I think, your top 10, because mm-hmm. I'm not including the Phillies for this. Yep. All those teams had a essentially an easy strength of schedule, like easier than the average, mm-hmm. except the Angels and the Giants. The Angels have a zero for strength of schedule, meaning like the teams they're playing are like have been like very average. Yep. We're playing middle of the road teams. We played some good teams. And we played some and bad like teams. And the Astros, yeah. but Astros are, you know, meh. Yeah. But like, anyways, the base reference things that were like kind of playing a very average schedule and a run differential is positive giants are the same positive run differential and playing a good strength of schedule teams everyone else has played a somewhat of an easier schedule than, than we have so kind of interesting that um when you look at the schedule aspect of all this it kind of made us both boost the angels higher than ninth place for mlb's ranking yeah. so i think they're a bit low on the angels but i will say travis if we're project projecting to like end of the season if they have Angels nine for that, I don't have a problem with that. Oh. You and I, you and I don't think yeah. Angels are going to be fifth and sixth forever indefinitely. No, right? Course, There's going to be ups and downs, but in this first month so far, they've been very productive. The run differential is very good to see, um, as well as doing it on against good teams, against you know beating the Astros, uh, going even with uh, the uh, Chicago White Sox, yeah. and then of course sweeping um, the Guardians. Sweeping the Guardians is a big deal too. So. Yeah. Uh, a lot to like, a lot to like. Um, I mean, if you told me right now the season ended, the Angels would be getting a bye in the first round, I'd be saying you're you're crazy. I mean, you're, you're, you can't be serious, right? I mean, right now you look at, this, at the schedule and the rankings, Angels are the second seed in the AL. Of course, it's only one month in. Um, a lot can happen and change. Of course, we anticipate Houston to get better. We anticipate the White Sox to get better. But the teams that we had to compare and, and you know, basically prove ourselves that we're better than them the mariners the twins the red Sox. those are the three teams we highlighted in the first episode before the season alex that we told ourselves we have to be very well against these teams these are the teams that are going to be fighting for that sixth seed because of course we do anticipate the angels to uh make the playoffs and to have a good push but you know we want to be on the conservative side where if we don't win the division we want to make sure that we're beating these you know list of teams because they're the biggest threat to us uh taking the uh taking the sixth seed or the fifth seed wherever that may end up but um so far so good and honestly like i said i'm not really mad with angels being at number nine i think on the mlb rankings they're inside the top 10 i firmly believe they are a top 10 team right now when you look at everything about it when you look at run scored alex no team has scored 110 runs angels have the most runs scored so far in major league baseball so the offense of course is the best in baseball so far right now that's by because of two guys uh playing in the outfield right now for the angels but we'll get deeper into that for the uh, all april team we'll talk about them but uh, Paris, that's one note to, that's one at least one note to you know put out there i'm trying to figure out who they didn't include that i'm missing who am i i'm looking at the, the mlb power rankings mm-hmm. 
So they included the Cardinals, who I didn't, mm-hmm. and the Rays, who I didn't. Mm-hmm. And I put the Phillies. And who's the other one I put that they didn't? Astros. Oh, I see. Okay, That's right. Astros right. were like 15th or okay. something like that. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, of course, they're... I think they're going off record for Astros, which record, is fair. Record. And of course, I, I yeah, they're going to go off record. And then, of course, just, I, I've you know, run differential is going to be important to them as well. But yeah, Phillies play a... Uh, Phillies play a tough schedule. I think that they're just, they're not happy with the way that the bullpen has been kind of finishing games off. And then, of course, uh, defense, you know. Defense is going to be an issue. We've seen some bad defensive plays by by Phillies I'm, defense so I'm not, far this I'm year. not huge on, you know, Coach Girardi's, you know, management of the starting pitchers as well. Yeah, yeah. There was, I think I sent you a stat, Travis, like no, Aaron Nola's like first four starts. He like. The first inning, the first time around the lineup. The first time around, he was like no earned runs. Second time around, his ERA was like a two, a, three, a two something. Yeah. And then like the third time around, he always gets through the first three batters, allowing like three runs and then they pull him. It's like, yeah. can you just learn to pull him before that happens? And like, you know, have hopefully a bit of a deeper bullpen. And then like, you're going to be winning all these games. You're, he's going to get you to the fifth in, for sixth yeah. inning. And there's going to be no runs on the board every yep. time. But yep. then you let him, you let him, you let the other team do damage. Um, I, I guess. I, I think the stats showed like two and one third innings pitched for the third time around. And like the e- ERA was like at 30 it, it, mm-hmm. it was it was insane I think it was from that first start against the A's because the A's jumped on him after the uh, the third time through the lineup but but it, uh, it, it happens to him every consist- consistently yeah. yeah 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 so that's something of course he would have to I would hope that Jari would be looking at that and saying well you know we're just going to pull you after that second time around because uh we see these numbers and they're not pretty but um that kind of sums up the power rankings Alex I know we kind of get into these debates um they're fun because I mean MLB always like to put them they just they just like to put these lists together. This week wasn't that bad. Um, the Rays, of course, are my only team that I'm going to bicker about. But so far, uh, you know, our our lists are very similar. Alike, we of course have some different styles for some of our teams that we want to pick. But um, so far, so good. We'll now jump into uh, basically going into the all MLB team for the first month of April. So, kind of highlighting who is uh, who's been our standouts for every position, the starting staffs. Uh, and of course the ninth inning closer role talk about that and, uh, get deeper into that. But, uh, starting off at the catcher spot, Alex, we'll dive right in. Um, give me your catchers so far. Who's been the best catcher in your opinion for the first month of April? Yeah, this was the one I had to kind of stew on the most and look up stats. It was a lot of research. Yeah, Kind of figure it out because, um, I wasn't too sure. And then I was like, no one stood out, jumped off the page. And then I really kind of had to figure out how I'm going to go about this. Do I want the guy who's hitting the best? Or defending the best, or what is it going to be? And you got and you got to look at war, but you also got to look at it's the, the first month. You don't want to go completely off, you know, percentages because some guys might have only played ten games, and then you're looking at a guy that's you know played fifteen games and exactly that, that's, that's exactly. A difference. So mm-hmm. it, it is tricky. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is tricky. So I went with a guy who I think is a good bet to continue at his current level of production. Um, that's Sean Murphy. Sean Murphy okay. currently, I think he leads all catchers in Fangraphs WAR. Um, he might in base reference, but I don't have that in front of me right now. But yeah, the reason why I like Sean Murphy right now is because he is leading uh, defensively. Defensively, I think he's towards the top of the league in terms of like defensive runs saved and all that kind of stuff. His defensive war on Fangraphs is the best in amongst catchers. Um, he's been really good on that side of the plate. I think he is like the future. I don't know if Yadi Yadi is the right like comparison but like i think he's the guy who's going to win a bunch of gold gloves in the 2020s that that's my prediction for the Mm -hmm. american league catcher spot um i think he's that kind of guy also has four home runs which leads uh all catchers that i'm aware of 
Um, actually, that's not true. Salvador has five. Okay, so Salvador has five. Who's doing? Sean Murphy has four. Abysmal. Yeah, his 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 percentage stats. <laughs> Salvador is not the, looking good right now. His yeah. percentage stats are in the dumps for sure. Um, striking out thirty percent of his at bats, Salvador. But uh, even so is Murphy though. So it shows that you can be good and still strike out a lot. But yeah, Murphy, Travis, um, has been an above average bat. The on base is honestly not great, but this whole season, Travis, a lot of these percentage stats are just kind of low for a lot of players, just because that's the way the ball is. That's the way the pit, the pitchers have been really good exactly. this year so far. Um, but his slugging is really good. It's at a 469. It's one of the better ones towards the top of the catcher leaderboards. And I'm really honestly picking him because of the defense, the good glove, and being second place amongst catchers and homers. So I think that that little combo of skill set is going to be really good for keeping him valuable, keeping him at one of the best catchers in baseball. I think he's going to be in that four or five, like top five catcher in baseball kind mm-hmm. of guy going forward from here on. That's my prediction. So that's why he's my guy for this month so far. And he's kind of, uh, with all those trades, he's kind of had to take the identity and role of like the, the Oakland A's guy, you know, I mean, he's going to be their, their guy for moving forward for the next, you know, five years or so. Um, Sean Murphy will probably be like the face of the franchise I'd see unless uh, Pache comes in and takes it. But um, Alex, I actually went with his long lost brother, Tom Murphy. Right. Uh, Tom Murphy. I was did some research today. Uh, his name, of course, I, I've I've known about it for a couple of years, but uh, you know, nothing of a huge impact player. Not really on my top ten every year, any year at least. But uh, Tom Murphy so far, Alex. Uh, you know, sample size is very small. Thirty-seven plate appearances. It's it's very small. It is uh, right now on Baseball Reference only twelve games played so far, but. 12 games played, a 0.6 war. Mm -hmm. So he is having an insane kind of small sample size, but very good production, very good production war season so far. He leads all catchers in walks right now, eight walks on the season for Tom Murphy. And of course, with being a small sample size, the percentages will look very, very good. 357 batting average of 500 on base and a 536 slugging. Uh, That's north of a 1000 OPS and a 214 OPS plus. So of course, he is having a very good season, according to the percentage stats. Uh, nine runs, 10 hits, only one home run so far for a season. But he's a guy right now that's proven to be getting on base, hitting a lot of singles. Uh, only uh, three extra base hits for him on the season. So a lot of singles and a lot of walks for Tom Murphy. Um, so far, I just see that. I, I saw the war, Alex, and that's really what popped off in my head was, wow. I mean, this guy only has 28 at-bats and a 0.6 war. Uh, currently, I think he's second against for all catchers. Real Muto's first for uh, catcher war right now. But Tom Murphy so far. Wanted, of course, give him a little shout-out, too, because I guarantee um, – I mean, of course, I say that every year, but I guarantee he probably won't be on my list next year. So I figured I'd give him the shout-out now. Or, or next month, yeah. <laughs> You're right, next month. I'm sorry. Yeah, so Tom Murphy, uh, for me, Alex, is going to be my all – april all mlb guys so far at the catcher yeah. role yeah i'm okay with that i'm okay with that i the plate appearances is really low but i think that like you said um the war is i think it's like top four for fan graphs yeah. so like yeah when you're gonna be that productive despite like having like less than half the plate appearances of the guys ahead of you um i got no problem with that you know he's made the most of the time he's had on the field so far like you said he will begin to drop off slowly but surely um, but for the, for now, I'm okay with that for first month. I mean, because the I mean the MLB's list they put Darno and like he's not going to be there. I, in a I month saw or that and either. I looked his stats up because I did not know what to go with, and I just said, I, I'm, I not just, picking, "I'm not picking him." I I don't know what you're thinking. I mean, yeah, I I just do not know what <laughs> what MLB guy is looking at Darno. I mean, they probably just look at him and say, "Oh, he's a veteran bat," and you know he's 
he's not even on a good team right now because the team isn't doing very good. So again, I, a lot of question marks for why MLB thought that way. But um, we'll move on now, of course. We'll go to the first and second uh, base jobs for uh, all MLB. Uh, I'll start first. For my first baseman, Alex, um, there were a couple guys that you know definitely made a lot of sense. Uh, Eric Hosmer leading MLB in average, but uh, the other numbers, of course, aren't the best. For me, I went Anthony Rizzo. Um, basically, nine home runs for the month of April. He went off for the power for this month. Um, I think he honestly leads, or he's, he's definitely top three in OPS and some of those percentage numbers for first baseman in Major League Baseball right now. So that's one key reason why the Yankees are doing so well. They decided to be conservative and go cheap for the first base job this year, and it's really didn't, working out for them. Didn't go Freeman or Olsen, but they're getting all the production from Rizzo for sure. Definitely, definitely. So Rizzo is my first baseman for the month of April. Second baseman right now, uh, I went with a guy that actually already has capped a two-war on the season, and that's Tommy Edmond. Uh, a guy that, I mean, he, he's just going to be a guy that's not going to provide a bunch of pop, but he's a very good fielder. He's going to steal you a lot of bags, just kind of a scrappy player right now. And he plays a lot of different positions, but he does have a two war, a 306 batting average, an 891 OPS for 168 OPS plus early in the season so far, though. But 22 hits, 13 runs, 11 RBIs, five stolen bases so far. He's just been a scrappy player for the Cardinals. So I like him at second base. Give me you got for your first and second base jobs. Yeah, actually, Travis, we're going to be in agreement here. I also do have Rizzo, and I do have um, Edmund. First on first base, uh, I really almost had Hosmer. I really thought about it. Uh, the only reason why I went Rizzo— It, 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 it sounded criminal when, when when I was thinking about Hosmer, so it's because I but, would never imagine that. Well, right, but I think even like last year, he, I think he was like the player of the week for the first week last yeah, year, and yeah. then like this year, he's having a really hot first month. His uh, slash line this month, Hosmer, is— 382 average, 447 on base, 579 slugging. I mean, that's obviously MVP like if it maintained. And, and we were, and we were talking won't. about possible trades like a couple a month ago back about you know getting Hosmer off the road and, or off the team. Yeah. This would be a great time for them to honestly explore those options because I mean the numbers are gonna drop. I think they're gonna drop pretty quickly. Um that's very true. My my, my, my reason for that is because um he is someone who hits the ball really hard, but he hits it on the ground a lot. So I think when you're that kind of player. You're going to have these stretches of a few weeks where you keep finding those holes and you hit it really hard so it goes through the holes. But um, I think long term, uh, I think he's a heavy pull go pull ball guy. I think the shift's going to you know eventually get the best of him. I think the numbers are going to drop off by quite a bit. Of all these guys towards the top of like the first baseman war leaderboard, he's by far like the biggest difference in his like WOBA versus ex-WOBA, meaning like uh, the expected outcomes for his at-bats is a lot lower than uh, what's actually happening. So I just couldn't pick him for that reason. Uh, I went with Rizzo Travis because one number really just jumps out. And it, it's kind of it's kind of silly almost. I almost didn't put it just because of that three home run game. Yeah. But his nine home runs is, is a big deal, I think. It's one above Crone, but the no is really close to them too. Uh, the next best is like Ty France at five or like Guerrero Jr. at six, I guess. But it's just kind of funny how he has nine. It's like almost like way ahead of the pack yeah, besides yeah. CJ Crone who plays. Oh, he's a great hitter, but he's playing in, in Colorado. Um, but Travis Rizzo, that three home run game. I don't know if you saw those videos. Those oh, yeah. balls were landing first row short porch. I don't really think that that's on the same level as, you know, every home run. Like, yeah, those are fly yeah. outs if you're playing in, <laughs> you know, I mean. I, if you're playing in 20, 20, 25% of the ballpark, or, you know, 25 of the ballparks. Yeah, that's a, yeah. It's, those are fly outs, but um, 
those home runs not only help them to get the nine total home runs, it helps them to also get that huge uh, 667 slugging right now, which is a monster number so far. It might be the best amongst first basemen. It's definitely one of the best. I think it's the best right now for qualified first basemen. So, um, for and that's that what's re- tricky too. You got to figure out what's qualified, what's not qualified, and then yeah, I mean, it's always a funny stat to look at. Yeah, but yeah, uh, I guess with that in mind, Travis, he is my. I mean, the other thing is his average is not even that good. So I think that it's like this is not really like a. It's not like he's getting lucky with the balls in play, right? Like like Hosmer is batting three eighty two. That's gonna come down so much that you'll see his on base drop because of it and his slugging will drop because of it. But Rizzo is not gonna like okay, he could keep a two sixty nine going, right? He can keep that going. So I really have faith for him going forwards as a positive option. So Rizzo's my first baseman for that reason. Edmund Travis, we agree. Uh he actually I don't think he's the best hitting second baseman so far this season. There's an argument for maybe like McNeil, maybe like Jazz Chisholm, but Edmund uh, has had a really good bat so far. Uh, he's actually 306 average, 405 on base, 486 slugging with three homers, which is you know really solid for a second baseman's first month. Um, but the defense is also great too. I think he might be the best defensive second baseman in the game, possibly yep. that's getting daily. Uh, Played appearances and daily, you know, uh, defensive assignments. Uh, Gold glove contender for sure going into this season. So, yeah, I think that he's good on both sides of the ball. One more thing to note, Travis. Actually a greater uh, walk percentage than strikeout percentage. Tommy Edmond is walking more than striking out, which is a really cool stat that most people fail to do that. I think a few guys that have done that in, like, really big seasons is, like, Alex Bregman, 2019. I know he did it. Um, but it's something that's like difficult for guys to have, you know, decent power and also like never striking out, which is, you know, if he can keep that up, keep up the, the bit of the slugging as well as keeping up the low strikeouts, um, it's going to be great for the Cardinals offense. So definitely uh, we can move on to shortstop and third base now, Travis, shall I do the honors? You shall. And I think this is going to be a pretty, uh, interesting spike debate for these positions. I know, uh, there, there are definitely a lot of guys that can be put in these slots I so think, start ahead i think specifically the hot corner travis just yep. like just like <laughs> just like always yeah. it seems is the hottest debate for us but it is. we'll see how that goes first off though shortstop i go jp crawford uh jp crawford the reason why i go him is leading in fan graphs war uh the ops numbers are off the charts so far 372 average 462 on base 628 slugging um Four homers. I mean, what's not to like? He's just doing everything really, really well. Doubles and triples machine right now for the start yeah. of the season. He's yeah. the MVP for his team that has a winning record, so that's a big deal too. My third baseman, Travis, is going to be Manny Machado. So go ahead and give me who you got, and then we'll discuss third base. Yeah, so uh, shortstop, J.P. Crawford as well. Yeah. Um, you pointed out everything. Uh, you know, 1.9 baseball reference war. Uh, the average is up there. I mean, it's literally 10 points below Hosmer at 372 batting average. So he almost has the batting title so far uh, on base 462 slugging for a shortstop at 628. I mean, you think this would be Fernando Tatis Jr. right now, but, um, you know, an OPS almost at 1.1. 1. 1, uh, that is very impressive so far to start the season off. Uh very, very, very surprising, in my opinion, for J.P. Crawford to be at this level. I never thought he'd be here at this level. But uh, like like just kind of most all of a sudden, like last last year was like, you know, he's a solid player this year. It's like, OK, first month MVP caliber. Obviously, he probably will fade a bit, but we'll see how a season kind of pans out. Exactly. Exactly. And then the hot corner, Alex, there are three guys that are well deserving of this 
of this. It's a, big, it's, it's a big three. It's it a is big a big three, three right now. Um, for me, I think there's a little bit of favoritism. I went with my guy, I went with Arenado. Um, and I guess for my kind of just turn of talking and debating why um, currently leads. I mean, I'm actually glad you chose Machado because both guys in the NL. Um, Arenado right now leading the NL all hitters in the NL in slugging, a 697 slugging percentage, and leads all NL hitters with an OPS at 1.133, and leads the NL hitting in OPS plus at 237. So some pretty big percentage stats that he is currently doing very, very good at. Home runs, six home runs, seven doubles. Um, You know, just a monstrous start for Arenado, but of course, a monstrous start for two other guys, Jose Ramirez and Manny Machado. So talk to me about Machado. Um, I'm honestly, when, when this came up, I knew when I was making my list that if you picked Jose, if you pick Machado, I, I mean, you can have a debate about it, but all three guys, they're really in a, in a league of their own right now to start the season off. But Machado, give me uh, give me the reason why. And I, th- I think I know why. He leads he leads baseball in one big stat. Yeah, he leads in all of MLB. Are, he definitely was all third baseman in both Fangraphs War and Baseball Reference War. He, that, that, Travis, that, you know what that tells me? Number great, one in all MLB War right now, great, yeah. Great in both sides of the ball because his offense is great. Mm-hmm. It's a tick below uh, Arenado in terms of, OPS and OPS plus yep. WRC plus those kind of stats because of the slugging difference is so huge because Arenado and even Ramirez Travis have been slugging so crazily. Yeah. Ramirez right now is 707 slugging. What is that? I, I know, I know. <laughs> but, I, I think it's I think he is close to either seven or eight home runs. It, it, it's up there. He's been 95 PA, so he's playing like every game for yeah, his team up yeah, there. Yeah. But um, but yeah, the reason why I went Machado Travis, the war is 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 big time. The batting might be a tick below Arenado right here right now. But if the war is better, that means the defensive metrics like his defense better than Arenado right now. I think Machado, uh, I think he may continue to get screwed uh, out of <laughs> gold gloves yeah, just because of yeah. how much good. I mean, the names like, you know, back when he was AL, I mean, Chapman never really overlapped with him. But like Chapman and, and uh, Arenado probably have the voters by a stranglehold. Like, oh, easily. They will be controlling the gold glove conversation at third base for the rest of the decade maybe. Um, Arenado, I guess at some point there'll be a drop off, right? There but, will, but, yeah. But um, for the, I, I, I until think, that happens, he will have a chokehold in the voters. They love seeing his defense so much, and, and his defense is great. And, and I think this year he is, if I'm not mistaken, he yeah he has nine Gold Gloves. So this this year would be his tenth. So not many guys get in the double digits when it comes to Gold Gloves. So I guarantee voters again are going to be like, well, let's keep this Arenado train going. So um, he, you're right with that. He definitely does have a. Uh, some some seasons where the voters will say ah it's Arenado you know no it, I'm not right. even into the research it, it's, it's Arenado it, you know it, and if I'm not sure my gut says Arenado because we see exactly. the flashy plays yep. um, and that's all fair because he's an elite elite defender but I think right now Machado has been as good or better defensively I think uh, he's going to probably get less Gold Gloves than he deserves in his career just because it's such a tight position for you know a lot of reasons so much talent in the hot corner in baseball uh, you know this year and in the years past so. Uh, yeah, right now I have Machado. Travis, if I had to make a prediction of who will be my pick in like August for LMLB, I think Jose Ramirez is off to such a monstrous start that these other guys um, will will cool down, I think. They will. And yeah. of course, Jose will a bit too because a 707 slugging is not going to be sustainable. But I, I, I don't anticipate 697 slugging for Arenado <laughs> to be sustainable as but well. Yeah. Jose Ramirez has just been so hot. Seven home runs. Uh, also, of course, a threat on the base paths. 
He walks uh, over 11. He walks 11.6% of the time, only strikes out 9.5% of the time. So he's walking a lot more than striking out. Um, the average on base slugging is all really, really good. He's going to maintain his greatness. I, I feel very, very confident in a healthy Jose Ramirez taking home the third baseman title, yep. best third baseman in baseball. Yep. But for this month, I want Machado. You mean, you mean, you mean not Austin Riley? No, not Austin Riley, Travis. <laughs> I, I, seeing that last year obviously frustrated both yeah. of us, but um, all MLB last year should have been Jose. This year, I think it rightfully will. I think they will, they will go Jose, but we'll see how it goes for the rest of the season. Yeah, um, it was a good third base debate. I, I'm I'm happy with the way the third base spot is this year. Um, hopefully, guys like Rendon, Bregman, and uh, Devers can pick the pick the slack up because this position is. Um, there's a lot of guys that are up for very good Hall of Fame debates right now in the game at the hot corner. Um, it's it's really nice to see that at least. And just the way that, you know, for me, of course, with the way that Arenado started off um, leaving Colorado, numbers, of course, are skyrocketing down. But of course, this season so far, they've picked back up. The walks have gone up. A tr- they, they've gone up so much right now. And that's, I think, what's really helping him out at the plate, walking more, being more selective, getting his pitch. Um, you know, right now he's on he's on track for possibly, uh, you know, almost 80, 85 walks in the season. And that would be a career high for him. So that, of course, would really help him out with this season with those percentage stats and get back into that top five, top 10 MVP voting poll that he was doing almost every year with Colorado. I, I always see those stats where it's, you know, top 10 MVP, all-star, gold glove, and silver slugger. It'll be interesting this year with the silver slugger. Him and Machado have a definite uh a very fun race that we're going to see throughout the season to, uh, to see who gets that and also gold gloves. So and um, one guy I want to shout out to us before we move on to the outfield, uh, Brian Hayes. Oh, yes. I don't know yep. why people are not talking about him as much because yeah. he deserves a more credit for what he's doing so far this season. Um, I see I no home runs actually, which is kind of surprising, but uh, is walking at a great, great clip, more uh, walk percentage than Machado, Arenado or Ramirez. Um, his hitting for, you know, the slugging is not off the charts, but the average is at a nice 333. The on-base is at a 424, so that discipline is really solid. And he does play elite, elite defense. Um, last year, I think he had, like, some of the best defensive war in the National League. Um, so I think that he's someone that uh, he's currently sixth on the leaderboard for Fangraph's war. I saw that, uh, For yep. third baseman. Um, and he also, like, missed, like, a game or two early on for, like, that weird little injury thing. But... Um, yeah, I think he's someone, Travis, who he might be the future of the position in the National League. Um, but right now, you're right. Arenado Machado is going to be a great National League silver slugger kind of race. We'll see how that and gold glove. It will. I really wonder who's going to win both of those. I think those two guys are obviously the favorites right now. A nice little rivalry a rivalry between both those guys will be really fun to see as we get into summer. But um, that sums up the infield. Uh, pretty similar infields, Alex. Uh, good to see that. I honestly, you know, when I was making this list, I really thought to myself, I don't know. I I guarantee this might not be the same infield we'll see in the end of May. I, I just feel like these names are guys we usually don't see, you know, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Semyon, you know, and then the shortstop market, Correa, Lindor, Seager, you know, so many power, powerful names. Um, third base, of course, was it was a very powerful, uh, you know, a very powerful position so far this season has proved. But um, J.P. Crawford, you know, Edmund and also Rizzo and also our catchers, Murphy's. Uh, you know, guys that are really, you know, standing out so far in the first, you know, 20, 20 something games. And that's how that usually goes, right? It takes a, you know, it takes a longer time to kind of figure out who's going to be the best players for this season. But for the first month, it can go a lot of ways. And, and uh, some guys are standing out for sure. It definitely has. Uh, we'll move now to the outfield 
three guys, Alex, that we went with the outfield, I guarantee we're going to have two of the same guys. Um, pretty I think easy. We'll ha- I think we'll have all three, but okay, I'll, but not hundred percent. So okay. we'll, we'll see how it goes. Okay. okay. So for me, for outfield, Alex, I went with Taylor Ward, Mike Trout, Byron Buxton. So those are my three guys. So interested to see. We're, so if we're matching. We are close, but we are not the same. <laughs> so it's. And I think uh, I know who you got, maybe. Right. I mm-hmm. think I think you probably do. I went with Mike Trout, Taylor Ward, and Aaron Judge as my three outfielders. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a very good case for Buxton. I'll let you make it in a minute here, but I went Judge over a guy like him uh, because you know, Judge has uh, 21 games played. He pretty much has the most as any outfielder right now. He's you know playing pretty much every game out there. The offense for him has been really, really spectacular. The average is not crazy, and the on-base is just a 364, but the slugging is over 650. It's a 663 slugging. Um, yeah, I think that you know, eight home runs for Judge is definitely a monstrous number to be at so far. Um, Buxton definitely has a good chance. that If Buxton had the same games played as Judge, some of the home run numbers and other kind of numbers, stolen bases, stuff like that, would probably start to really accumulate faster. But... Um, he, unfortunately, Travis, has still not been able to prove to us he can stay in the field. Definitely. Yeah. And that that's not going to prevent him from being uh, a guy that can make a list like this. He can still make an all-month like an all kind of list. But I think that um, for some reason, 14 games played so far is just definitely a number he was hoping to be a little bit higher. But it go, ahead and make, go ahead and make the case for Buxton. Yeah, yeah. And so in Buxton is, in my opinion, the king of small sample size and the war number that's just is still ridiculous because of what he can do on both sides of the ball, much like like Machado. Um, I was looking at this and judge was going to be my easy guy to, to just fill in there. Thought I'd take a look at Buxton's numbers and you're right. It's, it's just like Tom Murphy with the sample size, but what I'm just impressed about of course is, you know, less games, higher war than judge at a 1.3 compared to judges 1.0 war on baseball reference seven home runs in 14 games i think judge has eight and 21 so i mean again you're just looking at buxton with some of these power surges that are just unbelievable in my opinion a 755 slugging 755 slugging to start the year off um i think he had one week where it was like four home runs in a week and he had a moonshot that was i think it was off of um one of the, I think Andres, it was like, Andres Munoz was that one you're thinking of? There was one. He, it's like 101 mile per hour, like high end fastball he pulled. Is that? I don't know if that's it, it, there was that one, but I think he hit one off Liam Hendricks as well. Okay, and that one might, might have been a walk off against the uh, the White Sox, but a 1.100 uh, OPS and of course a 221 OPS plus. Don't want to get too high, of course, on the percentage numbers with that sample size. I just thought with the WAR and also with the extra base hits that he's provided. Uh, during the first 14 games. I, I mean, it's just, it's, it's really remarkable and incredible. I'm just praying and I just need to see him play a full season. I, I'm sick and tired of seeing this guy get injured and only give us 70 or 80 games in a season. I need to see this guy play a full season. Um, I'm really wondering, Alex, if he were to get to like 130 games, uh, something he hasn't done since 2017, where he played 140 games, but wasn't the Byron Buxton we knew. But I'm, I'm interested to see if he got to 130 games and had, you know, I mean, just imagine if he had a, a 8.7, 8 point something, a high eight war Would that. I mean, would you validate him as an MVP with having that high of a war and still missing 32 games of the year if he had to just deal with little minor injuries? Yeah, I, I, my take on that is if if he can have more war, meaning more production. Yeah. 
in less games. In less games, that's fine, mm-hmm. right? If he can have like right now, him and Judge, uh, like you said, Bucks and leads in base reference war. Judge's head uh, a little bit in Fangraphs war. It's like one point four yeah. versus one point two. It's like almost identical. So if they both kept this pace, right, and like Buxton finished with one hundred twenty-five games, and Judge was at like one fifty-five. Mm-hmm. I'd be okay with you picking either way as long as the wars were similar because that means even though Buxton's missing games, the games he is playing in, he's making up for it. So mm-hmm. th- that, that's very fair in my book for a Buxton pick. But for me personally, um, I went with Judge because I do think the skill set is, even though, of course, he has the injury history, last season was really healthy and this season so far has been an everyday kind of guy for the Yankees. Uh, his numbers are off the charts a lot of the expected numbers are also really good for him, but they're good for Buxton too. Okay. Um, but Travis, let's give some praise real quick. I wanted to <laughs> to Mike Trout and Taylor Ward. Um, of course, two angels. We're gonna, I, will, I will bow down to them we'll, right now. We'll take yeah. every chance we get to talk about uh, some standout angel players. But so far, Travis, Mike Trout. Um, just, um, j- just. I mean, you, you tweeted I, earlier. I mean, he, he's he's just the goat. I mean, he's just he's. I, I talked about he's earlier doing the stuff in his sleep and it's just like, come on. I, mean, I, I talked about it earlier about um, with Edmund walking more than striking out. Usually when that happens, it's because the person like never strikes out yeah. and they're walking a good amount. Mike Trout's walking more than he's striking out. And it's because he's striking out a decent amount, but he's just walking so much. 18.5% of his at bats, he walks only 16%. He strikes out. Um, and then the average is 344. The on base is a monstrous 481. The slugging is 766, which that will, of course, come down quite a bit. But just being that high, that much of a hot, hot April, um, for good reason, he's on our list. Both of it. He has to be on the list so far. Um, you know, he leads all outfielders in Fangraphs War. Um, Taylor Ward Travis has played a few less games, actually, a substantial drop in played appearances because he missed uh the first couple weeks first sorry, first couple games um first i think first two series maybe and then he yep. um mm-hmm. he also at the beginning of the season uh when he when he when he first started getting in the in the in the lineup he was batting like sixth and, and fifth and seventh and stuff like that yep. and now all of a sudden promoted the lead off and it's uh he was hot before and he got even hotter when that happened so um, yeah, his batting stats are 400 average, 507 on base, <laughs> 764 slugging. Uh, it's just a kind of monstrous month that uh, no one really saw coming. He walks and strikes out in 17.9% of his at-bats. So that's a really good balance to have, I think, so far. Um, he's Travis, one thing that I just love about him is he's up there. Uh, even before he became the leadoff hitter, but now he is the leadoff hitter, he has great discipline. He mm-hmm. It does not string swing at balls. If it's a if it's a you know a one one count and it's off by an inch, he's taking that every day. He's yeah. really good about that. And when he does score up Travis so far, it's always been a deep drive, um, been really good. And and the speed is solid too. It's not elite speed, but it is definitely like, you know, like top twenty percent of baseball kind of speed. And playing average to even I mean, it's a, it, a, a, above average outfield. It's as at well. least a solid right field. It it's not a liability at all. Um, and with all that in mind, also stole a bag uh, once this season so far, which um, is some of the best you're going to find from a right fielder, you know, not, not that many speed demons. So, um, yeah, I think for a lot of reasons, Travis, he has to be on this list. But um, just what a first month from him, uh, hoping that when he dies off, it's not too too drastic because he's been such a bright spot in the Angels lineup so far. And I think any of the year, if you look at 
Taylor Ward in September and he has a OPS north of 900, I think we'd all say that is an incredible season for what he he's done. And so that that's still, of course, a very high praise if he can do that. He's off, of course, one of the best starts in history. But uh, having that kind of season to support Mike Trout with Shohei Otani and Rendon, that would be a very nice surprise to have for that team and of course making a strong push to the playoffs pitching's doing very well of course we can talk more about that later on but um it's nice to have ward picking up the slack for a slow start of course kind of with otani i guarantee he's going to pick things up you're going to start seeing of course a shift probably in otani getting better ward starting to cool off a little bit but both guys being all-star level hitters right now alex i mean it's crazy to think you have two angels in the outfield uh on the all-star team right now for uh for you know the AL I mean, going going into Dodger Stadium right now. And it's the big reason why the Angels, I think, are on my power rankings, your power rankings, and the MLB power Definitely. rankings. Um, those two guys have been leading the ship for sure. But now we're probably good to move on to DH, Travis. Definitely. Definitely. Um, it's kind of tricky because if you sort the stuff. NL. If, well, yeah. And if you sort <laughs> stuff by DH, like there's tons of guys who are kind of switching off between DH. Like, mm-hmm. Tons of like Mike Trout has been DH like a few times in yep. the last week because Otani had a couple of days off. So like, am I going to count Mike Trout as DH? Obviously uh, not. I was waiting for that. Yeah. yeah. Obviously <laughs> not because it's been, it's been like two starts. But, you know, some guys are playing half DH, half outfield, you know. Yeah. Brantley has taken some DH spots from Alvarez and Alvarez has played left. So, you know, stuff like that happens. But I think you and I both have a good idea of who's a real DH, who's kind of yep. um, doing part-time DHing, you know. So anyways, without any further ado, my DH is going to be for this month. Jordan Alvarez, um, I think he was the MLB's pick. Um, I think for me, he's pretty solid pick. Uh, the average is not crazy at a 258, but the on-base is a solid 352, and the slugging is at a 581. Um, yeah, I think overall, uh, he's almost at a one Fangraphs war, which for a DH in one month is really good. Um, but Travis, I think that he um, has not had the craziest first month, and I think he will continue to get better. But... Um, Amongst true DHs, I think he's been the best hitter so far. But you could definitely make a case for like, can I just put some really good hitter here from some other yeah, position? Yeah, and I was and thinking if, the same thing if, too. If that was your mindset, you could definitely do that. But tell me who you got for DH. Yeah, retweet. Jordan uh, oh, cool. Alvarez. Uh, to me, Alex, he is. He has been the most consistent DH in the majors since 2019. I, I think it's pretty safe to say. Of course, Otani's year last year. Jordan was easily the second best DH in baseball, right behind Otani. Um, but this season so far, he's off to a better start than Otani. Uh, and you know, I mean, what, what, what he's doing, of course, year in and year out with the OPS numbers, with the power numbers and the slugging, um, you really can't look away from what he's been doing. And, and he's, he is the true DH, I believe. I mean, you look at other guys like Nelson Cruz or like even, you know, JD Martinez, true DHs as well, but not off to those kind of starts as Alvarez is off. And of course you mentioned he's at a 0.8 baseball reference war right now for a dh that's very impressive to be at um you know a guy like him if he can have like a five war in a season at the dh level that is very very impressive to see uh from Jordan. so i of course like him at the dh role i think he'll get, continue to get better um and you know we'll of course keep saying his name you know month in and month out um waiting for otani to of course spike up to kind of take that take back that dh spot because you know, once Otani's hitting, his base running is elite. He can do things that Jordan, you know, of course, can't do. But we've seen enough, of course, this month. Jordan is definitely um, the consensus. He has to be the, the you know, the all MLB DH right now um, for that. So not much of a discussion, I'd say, for that as well. He he also is right now is pretty even with walks and strikeouts. That's pretty pretty significant for a DH. You think sure. about DH, you think about 
so many strikeouts, swinging so many the, home runs. Swinging for the fences, right. And he does do that, but he does manage to get the bat on the ball quite a bit. And walk. And yep. does walk a good amount too, you're right. And six home runs for him in the season, which is just going to be above pretty much every DH Definitely. Um, in the league right now. So we both agree he's the best DH, uh, true DH in baseball. Definitely. Um, Travis, uh, let's move on to pitchers now, yes? Is yes, that, is that yes. Move? This okay. will be a fun one because we – I'll say this, Alex. I uh, There are some guys that I uh, – I never anticipated putting on this list, but for the first month, these guys have earned it. I think last year I had Danny Duffy in your first. Royals uh, starting pitcher. He was, I think he was like three and oh, and, and, and an ERA that was below, you know, either two or one, but it was off to a crazy freak start. But it's kind of like that this year, of course, too. The first month is going to have some guys, guys that, of course, we've heard of, but we didn't think they had this capability in them, I would definitely say. So you start off, Alex, with your top five. Uh, give me who you got for starting rotation. Sounds good. So, um, I'm not like super all in on any one stat. ERA wins. Uh, it's all kind of all goes into account. Um, war as well. Yep. So I'll just say that my big five so far this first month, it's going to be in no order, no specific mm-hmm. order. Pablo Lopez, Carlos Rodon, Kevin Gosman, Kyle Wright, Clayton Kershaw. That's my five. Give me your five. Almost perfect. Oh, wow. <laughs> Almost perfect. So I had Pablo Lopez. Kyle Wright, Carlos Rodon, Kevin Gosman, Logan Gilbert. Okay. Logan Gilbert of the Seattle Mariners. Um, I guess we'll talk. I can respect that. We'll talk briefly about the guys that we did have. Pablo Lopez, ERA, best in baseball. I think it was like a .39 or something like that. That's at least qualifying. It was uh, right. And then just today, unfortunately for me, Travis, I have in fantasy. He did give up some some big runs to, I think, four runs to uh, Arizona. you You have him and... Patrick Sandoval, both guys that were, you know, sub 0.4 ERA guys. So. That's right. I, yeah. I'm, I'm a, I, I know, I know how to pick them, Travis. I know, <laughs> I, know, I know how to draft. Let's put it that way. But, uh, but yeah, I think that, um, I think that Paulo Lopez has been just like one of the hottest in the month for sure. Um, today did get lit up a little bit, but of course it is no longer April, so that's okay. Exactly. Um, but yeah, for 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 Paulo Lopez here, Travis, a 3-0 record, 23.1 innings pitched and a 0.39 ERA in the month. That's just incredible. And tons of the other stats too, Travis, the expected ERA, the FIP are also still very, very elite, like some of the top in baseball. Uh, he was uh, fourth place, or sorry, fifth place in Fangraph's war um, amongst all pitchers, starting pitchers. So just just tons to like. Um, allowed no home runs uh, through the first month of the, of the season, which is obviously a great thing to see. Uh, is not walking guys hardly at all. Uh, so tons to like about Pablo Lopez. I'll move on to now uh, Kevin Gosman, Travis, who the ERA is at a 2.27. You can find guys with better ERAs than Gosman, but I think he's been so dominant in so many other ways. You know, he has walked no one so far. I was going to say there are some zeros in some pretty big categories, home runs and walks. And then the the strikeouts is a very solid, about 11 and a half case per nine. Um, and, I, and I did go back into my advanced stats uh, area and look at the FIP and the 0.5 FIP um, best it, in baseball. It's, it's absolutely dominant. Like yeah. having a FIP that good, that, that that's the kind of thing that really says um, you have a, a pretty good chance to maintain your level right now. You're going to continue to be great if your FIP is really low. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like uh, Burns last year. Burns mm-hmm. had like an all-time great FIP uh, for a season. It was like some of the top FIP ever. Um, Gosman so far this season is the FIP leader, uh, in all of baseball. Um, 
and I think for good reason. He he has actually already at one point nine Fangraphs WAR in a month. That is crazy. Obviously, you can't wow. really, you can't really maintain that. But if he did one point nine every month, end of the season, he's an MVP candidate. You oh, know? Yeah, yeah. So lots to like about him. Uh, let's talk about I guess Kershaw versus Gilbert since that's the difference we have. I'll just say for that fifth spot, I was thinking about Kershaw. I was thinking about Musgrove actually. I was thinking about Merrill Kelly. I didn't actually get to Gilbert, but um, there. Let's just say there's a lot of spots that could fit in that fifth spot. Even Lauer had a really hot start that almost made you have to think about him. I will say that one reason I went Kershaw uh, is partially because of the historical component of his month. Yeah, had mm-hmm. the near perfect game that got broken up by the manager. He took the all time record of strikeouts for Dodger history, um, which is a big deal. So. A 2.35 ERA compared with those milestones is, is I would say, very solid. Uh, the FIP and the X ERA are both below his ERA, so he's going to continue to be good, I can guarantee you. Uh, less than one walk per nine, less than one home run per nine, is still getting strikeouts in his old age. He, he gets older, Travis, but he still fools guys left and right. His pitches are so dirty, even still. So I think Kershaw is... Um, Walker Bueller is still elite, Travis. Yeah. There's a chance at the end of the season that Kershaw could be the ace if he's healthy. I think he still could be the best pitcher on that team. Really think so? Which which it could be a hot take, and we'll see how things pan out, right? But, I mean, so far, uh, they've both been really good. But I think that um, some of the advanced stats do definitely, definitely favor Kershaw, um, so far this season at least. So give me your take on Logan Gilbert, your inclusion of him, and some of the other guys you thought for that fifth spot. Yeah, and uh, and actually, I was definitely thinking about our guy, uh, Patrick Sandoval. Um, I know having a zero all month of course what not qualifying with only 15 innings pitched unfortunate but of course uh a zero era that's best in baseball uh but i think the innings pitch of course has to factor in there as well but you know just a very good start from sanderville but for logan gilbert for me four and oh uh you know 1000 winning percentage and of course the era at a 0.64 uh, just like Pablo Lopez, I thought that I had to include a guy that had a sub one ERA with, you know, over 28 innings pitched so far in the season. His team's doing good. Logan Gilbert is proving to be almost the almost the ace of that staff, even though they have the last year Cy Young winner, Robbie Ray. But Gilbert is uh, off to a tremendous start. Wanted to uh, shout out him. He's also top when you look at some of these um other stats when you look at whip when you look at war for baseball reference and era he's in the top three of all these different categories for war he has 1.3 war for baseball reference um just shouting out all those numbers i thought to myself uh it's definitely i think his time for for him to make a top five for the rotation uh he's off to a tremendous start you know young guy 25 years old uh that's why i picked him uh and i i think you can you can take a deeper dive dive into the advanced numbers which i do to most guys but for me uh strikeouts look good era looks tremendous uh for what he's been doing for the whole season and uh and so far he's off to a really good start yeah a below one era with uh 30 innings pitched essentially i mean that's that's i guess him and only pablo lopez for qualifiers yeah yeah, so that's obviously a really impressive, you know, run prevention so far. Like you mentioned, the advanced stats, I do think that he's going to kind of fall off a little bit. Not, not not in a terrible way. He's he's going to still be a really good pitcher this season. But um, I do think that, you know, he's not going to be a top five guy come August, which, of course, we're doing the April uh, ranking. So that's yep. really what matters <laughs> is, is April. But uh, I do think that, uh, yeah, I, I like some of the numbers for some other guys a little bit better. Something that's really interesting, Travis, is I'm seeing a 99.2% 
left on base percentage for Logan Gilbert. So when guys get on base, he's been getting out of jams pretty much every time but one, it seems like. It seems like when guys get on base, he really uh, prevents them from scoring. That's something that might end up um, – that'll, that'll switch up essentially. At yeah. some point in the season, guys are going to start um, – scoring more maybe more inherited runs scoring from relievers or stuff like that but um at the end of the day i like that pick i do think the era alone just kind of warrants some credit so i'm gonna be giving the credit um anything else on starters or you want to go to relief pretty much wraps it up i know you know being that we had four or five being the same it, it seems like we're, we're seeing eye to eye and those those four guys i think truly are you know top of their top of their position right now i i agree and of course like just starting off this new uh this new month paulo lopez already allowed a, a four and runs today so yeah. next month yeah. probably a different guys rise to the top extremely different. and we didn't, we didn't really cover much of uh kyle wright i know we talked about him last podcast there is a trivia question you had for me but oh uh, yeah just i mean just, just tr- tremendous start for that staff already with morton ian anderson max freed you think kyle it, wright's just going to be a guy that's going to have like, can a you high get, three can you get us some innings but instead it's like oh can you, can you be like, our ace <laughs> can, can you start the bottle card game <laughs> like, yes so something like that so. exactly exactly so it really good to see him and then of course carlos rodon alex um i mean we saw it last year uh was a breakout year for him and now he's just proving to be uh an elite starting pitcher right now for the san francisco giants probably one of you can go back so far uh with looking at the free agencies of uh or there's the free agents that the places where they went Rodon for what he got for what he's been performing and doing right now it's probably one of the best value you've seen so I far I think it's the best yeah best value contract yeah it, it was 2 years 44 million or something like that with like so, an opt out it's like i mean so he I mean, it, giants it, won <laughs> if he wins a Cy Young or something like that i'm sure he'll opt out and yep. like be able to leave and sign his like he'll sign his like kind of Gosman or Ray type yep. contract that yep. they got last offseason but i think both Gosman and and uh sorry Gosman and Rodon what great contracts, um, good teams found the right guy, and, mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's 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 already a perfect fit for those two teams. But And you know Gosman only has to, you know, he could have a 3-5 ERA and still win 20 games with that offense. So he's probably very comfortable with that offense backing up behind and him. It's important to note, he's in that division, and he's putting up that kind of crazy low ERA. I mean, you can very almost true. Think, if he if he has a 3 ERA or maybe a 2-5 ERA in the AL East, which is so action-packed this year with Yankees just being monstrous and you expect the Rays to get hot here at some point um I mean it's definitely it's definitely extra impressive in that division I'd say it definitely is it definitely is uh moving on to the ninth inning closer Alex um I've been saying this guy for I feel like years now um for my ninth inning guy he's the head on show right now I'm pretty sure we have the same guy but uh Josh Hader for me has to be the ninth inning closer uh so far the closer of the year um, especially with some hiccups by some big names like uh, like Liam Hendricks, the way he's kind of started. Even Class A, he's had some very rough starts so far in the month of April for the closer role. But basically, if Hayter was a starting pitcher right now, he would have thrown a two-hit complete game shutout uh, by his numbers. He's got he's got nine and one-third innings pitched, so almost uh, a full complete game uh, pitched so far this season. Only two hits given up this season, 15 Ks on the season. So almost, of course, doubling uh the innings from the strikeout numbers that's something he's always very good at where he can have you know 70 innings pitched he can have 140 strikeouts in the season so every almost two of the three batters that he faces every inning is going to strike out so that's something of course you you love to see it as a closer um just finish the game strike these guys out zero era of course again so he is proving to be elite 10 opportunities 10 saves i think he uh, he leads nl in saves right now i think he is second mlb behind jordan romano from yeah, the blue jays romano is 11 that's correct yeah but hater 
proving to be elite once again. So give me who you got. Yeah, it's it's Josh Hader. It's the zero ERA. It's the absolute elite uh, X ERA, FIP, XFIP. All the numbers like them. The war is really is. I mean, the war is actually not elite elite because only nine innings pitched, nine and a third innings pitched. But um, in terms of like war per inning or something like that, like he would be totally dominant in that kind of stat. Like you said, 10 saves and 10 tries is really good. Uh, Romano has the 11, but he's also, I think he's blown a save or two. He definitely blew one against the Astros when Pena yep. walked off on him. So, That's true. Yep. Um, yeah, I think that Hater has to be the lock for, for I guess, the pick. Um, other guys, Travis, have had really hot starts. Other like relievers, and not, not even closers, right? Like Michael King, I think, leads in Fangraphs war for any reliever, but he's thrown yep. 14 innings, um, which is obviously more than Hater. That's why he's got the higher war. But yeah, I think that there's... Tons of guys kind of float around the top, but Hater just stands out as like, this is the guy. He's like the NL saves guy. He's the ERA leader. Like there's no other pick for me. So he was the easy choice. And I think he'll continue to be towards the top of this list all season. He seems like to be the easy choice every week, every month, you know, every season we talk about the closing position uh, with with the ERA he had last year. And of course, this the, the start that he's on this year, you got to, of course, got to, in my opinion, you got to start thinking about this guy for, you know, what are your Cooperstown, you know, you know, introduction comments for Hater right now? He's off to a tremendous start for the starting pitcher or for, from the, for the closing role. Uh, and I think, that, honestly, he'll continue to get better and better. What he brings to the table, just the wicked delivery and just the way he throws the ball, um, the movement the ball has. I mean, not many pitchers in the game has have what he has. So uh, truly, truly impressive. And I'm certain he might be a guy that we'll have continuously on our list you know, month in and month out as the season progresses. But that kind of gives and uh, wraps up our, uh, you know, our, our starting rotation, starting staff, starting roster of April, our all MLB team. Alex, I always ask this one question, but give me who you have for your, I always like to say, Mr. April, who is your top performer MVP of April so far? Yeah, for me, I'm just going to go with Taylor Ward. Um, I think it's just a safe pick given how special the month was, especially compared to the expectation for what he was going to do in, in a in a month in the MLB. Uh, he spent time in AAA last year. Travis, this was this was a guy who last year uh, was playing Salt Lake City. And and, and I, we were telling we were saying like, why is this guy in AAA? He needs to be getting some uh, some right field action because we had other guys out there like mm-hmm. you know Fowler got hurt and then we went for you know uh Juan Lagares amongst other names Luis Rojas or yeah. I'm sorry Jose Rojas yeah. We're, we're, yeah. We're, we're playing and then Keen Wong we were playing infielders in the outfield with Taylor Ward in AAA which was just an abomination we we, <laughs> we knew he had potential um and of course this year uh started off missing a couple series and then immediately just kind of picked up and was the you know most probably the most breakout player of the of the month so for me it's going to be taylor ward i imagine you probably have something similar in mind but who do you got it's uh it's you know for me it was easily between his teammates ward and trout right now gave it to ward just because i think that uh you know this is special i'm 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 gonna probably bank more that it won't happen you know he won't be this special in May or in June. I think he will cool off. But like I said, I think he'll definitely be a top of the line productive player so far this season. The numbers are proving that, you know, very disciplined to play. And that's going to, of course, yield, uh, you know, a lot of good ABs for him. But he is my Mr. April right now. Uh, Mr. Mike Trout. I mean, he is. I mean, he'll have his chance later. He'll on. He'll have his chance. And I guarantee, uh, you know, Right now, he you know he, he's the favorite right now to walk away with the AL uh, AL MVP, uh, no question about it for for me. And so, uh, 
Taylor Ward, though, Mr. April, what he's been able to do, insane. It's funny that, you know, Taylor Ward's having this, but Mike Trout's just off to another, you know, good start. You know, and and for most people, you'd say that's ridiculous. He's off to an elite Hall of Fame start. And it's like, well, I mean, that's just Mike Trout. He's going to be off to a start that's going to be so much different than his other competitors. I can't imagine, uh, I, I think about it and I, I'm trying to think about, you know, when is it when have a when has a guy been so much better than the competition um than his peers? I mean, you go back to, of course, you know, the Barry Bonds days where, you know, hitters weren't doing anything just like him. But of course, you still had hitters getting up into the, you know, high fifties or the low sixties for home runs. So they were, of course, pushing him. But I mean, it, it's so it's just so a abundantly clear that Mike Trout is the best baseball player in the world. And even Otani, it's funny, he even commented this week earlier, he said, I'm I'm piggybacking on Mike Trout. You know, I, I've done it for one season. I haven't done it any, any other season, really. So Mike Trout does it every year. So again, I think Mike Trout's proving to the world that he is uh, number one in uh, the MLB. And it's funny, we talked about that a couple weeks ago about the whole uh, top 100 Otani was number one, Trout was number two. I wonder if that kind of added fuel to the fire, even though it's his teammate. But I wonder I, if he kind of thought to himself, I'm I'm still number one and I'm gonna I, prove you guys. So. I did see a quote where I think I forget if it was Trout or, or Otani who said it, but they kind of both said that they are writing each other and like using each other's greatness to push each other this season, which I think um if they continue to respond to each other, Otani has had a, of course, a much rougher first month than Trout, or a much rougher first month than his first month last year. But I do think that you know Otani will respond in some way to how good Trout's been, and then if Trout slips a uh, foot off the gas, he'll see Otani have a great start or a great game at DH, and then put his foot in the gas again. So I do think that um, both those guys kind of cycling back and forth between greatness, I think is a recipe for success for the angels that if they can really get in the right groove and keep everybody healthy. Um, we both think every year that if they're healthy, they're scary. And so it'd, it'd be great to see them actually have a shot to be in like a late season playoff run. Um, if they can all be together in one piece. So, and that's a great problem to have if you're Joe Madden. I mean, you have two guys that are going to be competing with one another who are just freak of nature athletes and freak of nature MLB players. I can't imagine, you know, I can't imagine managing those two guys right now. That would just be insane. But uh, really, of course, terrific starts. And also, I think pushing guys like Anthony Rendon to be better. And of course, the youngsters, they're now seeing, um, you know, Adele and Marsh are seeing, you know, they're they're seeing Ward start as a struggling athlete, a struggling, you know, dr- high draft for the Angels. Just the way we saw Ward in 2018, 2019, we both were, you know, thinking, you know, oh God, you know, Taylor Ward just, he's such a bust. Well, well, well he, well, that's the thing is because he comes in as a, drafted as a catcher. Then Josh switch, Donaldson. Switch, switch, switch the third base, becomes an outfielder. It's like, it takes some guys a while to find their path. Yeah. Travis, currently Matt Thice is an angel who he was drafted first over or first round as a third baseman with crazy pop, um, infielder type, um, now converting back to catcher, which he used to be a catcher as well, yeah. uh, in AAA now as a catcher. And if he does get a chance to get called up to the big leagues and gets catching reps, I mean, that's a guy who, just like Ward, it's like, I'll, it's a it's a, it's a a windy road to get to the pros it and is. find your spot. And sometimes uh, you do weird position changes or sometimes you are a little bit older than you're expected when you finally break out because Ward is like late 20s versus like yeah. Adele and Marsh are still early 20s. Yeah. But um, seeing a guy break out, even though he's, you know, 28, it kind of shows that, you know, the potential was always there and it's just a matter of time with some guys. So I'm Definitely. glad that he's having his breakout now. 
our Mr. April Man of the Month. So that pretty much wraps up that whole segment, Travis. Um, any other comments? I do have one interesting note. Um, I just saw like an article on Twitter and that Votto actually quoted it. But have you seen uh, Votto's stats this season? I don't think they're good. They are very, very... Very, very bad. I think it, I think I think it's like, <laughs> like by, five varies. Yeah. I think it's like by someone said it was on the on Twitter, like they did some research. It's like by far the worst month of his career. Oh, I'm seeing it now. Yeah, I mean, the, it's a 122 yeah. batting average, a 278 on base. So still walking a bit. You know, that's what he. That's the one thing he does do well. Always 12 walks in the season, a 135 slugging. That's a huge yikes. Yeah. Um, yeah, 413 OPS is definitely just like some of the worst you're going to find for like a month. I think I saw a, a stat in this Fangrass article about him. Apparently, I think he's got like the third worst single month OPS of anyone that's like his age or older wow. in, in history. So, um, yeah. I, I, I still think he's a lock or a pretty good lock for the Hall of Fame. But Oh, the, th- the, this season doesn't hurt him. No, no, yeah. But I, but I just – I will say these kind of starts uh, are what kind of you, you almost – it's almost like a virus that might grow into some of the voters' heads where they might think, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, you wait five years after you finish and this season and this month will definitely not mean probably anything. But I'm just saying this kind of stuff might get give some voters a second thought of, you know, I got to give this guy, you know, a, a more of a deeper thought in, in, you know, my voting, you know, and, and all that stuff. But he's still a Hall of Famer in my book. But, yeah, the, the, the start has been atrocious. You know, Pujols, of course, had these kind of starts too. So I'm not going to blame Votto. You know, when you get up in their age and, you know, honestly – when you play for this team and there's really no there's no motivation i mean you saw the play a couple of days ago where they they dropped three pop flies in the infield two of them were foul but then the third one was the pitcher that dropped it um when you play for that team sometimes they, that that does that and you start off 319 i mean you got to find that motivation to get to the ballpark and actually be motivated to play at the top of your game um you know you, you feel for him because there was a quote that talked about you know He's been Cincinnati. He's never left Cincinnati because he wants to be a part of Cincinnati, you know, baseball. What a true, you know, guy to the city, to the Reds. He didn't want to go chase the money or the championships. He wanted to be committed to the team that drafted him. So you give him a lot of prop right there. But uh, it definitely sucks when you see these kind of starts, the strikeouts so high, you know on base not where he wants it to be and of course the slugging as well but uh you you're you're gonna say a couple other things about him yeah i mean i just i'm wondering you know at some point for everybody like the time has come right and and he could he could have a hot month in the middle of the season like last year he had a crazy hot month where he had like 15 homers in a month and that kind of changed his whole season turned it around for the better he could still have a hot month and become an average player like mid-season but um you know, if this happens for a couple months in a row, that that pretty much means that's that's the end, right? Like you can't you can't keep this guy with uh, what's he at right now? It looks like a negative point nine WAR yeah. in just twenty some games. If you, I mean, if he, he will probably get better than what he's right now, but if he stayed this level for the season, you're talking about like a negative like three four or something WAR. Like that's that's not gonna cut it, obviously. So, um, yeah, I think he's just someone interesting to keep an eye on. Um, you know, I, I wonder I wonder what would have to happen for him to retire. You know, I think that uh, he definitely believes in himself. He's a really smart player. He he actually he actually spends a lot of time quoting like, uh, you know, advanced stats and stuff like that. So I'm sure he's aware of what he can work on, maybe. And uh, yeah, I definitely have a lot of faith in him to be a Hall of Famer, all that kind of stuff. And, but. and with the on base friends 
on base percentage that he's had in his career, I mean, he he can easily get back on track. He's not a guy like uh, he. I'm trying to think of like a Javier Baez where the, the on base has never been good. So if he is just abysmal and cannot make contact, then you're going to get a guy that's just you know you know doesn't you're, even count in the lineup practically you're right because Votto, even if he's having trouble hitting the ball he can still always walk to get on base and then the power is something that he really kind of tuned into last year so i assume it's not completely gone right yeah, i'm yeah, assuming he's still yeah. got something in the tank there so and of course always early we always want to jump on these conclusions to you know some guys that you know are off to hot or slow starts and just kind of but just jump on them. just just fun the note just fun <laughs> yeah, to kind of see like is. i see these numbers and i'm really am surprised kind of just jarring to see uh that uh, last note that we only really discuss is um like the mets through a no hitter hello yeah. <laughs> we didn't really talk about that but i mean it, combined uh, Charles, what, what i will say is is um and not not the combined aspect like people say combined no hitters don't count or whatever you want to say it's like you can say whatever you want about that. I don't really have an opinion. My only opinion is there's going to be more of these no hitters, oh, maybe even a perfect game at some point. Yep. Don't want to jinx it. But I mean, the pitching is so off the charts right now. The first month of the season o- o- over under four and a half no hitters this year. I would take over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no. the offense this season so far has been much weaker than last season. Last season, when it was a seven. Uh, yeah i mean something it, like that it, it was it was i think i thought we had like three or four in the first month or something like that yeah last i mean year. Um, the, the mecca happened in, in a different month this yeah. year of course but Charles, there was this crazy stat that i saw i'll bring it up before we wrap up here um so a white Sox player jake Berger, he hit a ball 105 greatest name in in, in baseball <laughs> yeah, yeah. 105.9 miles per hour and a 34 degree launch angle so he hit it really hard at a great launch angle in 2018 if a ball hit that hard at that angle, 74% of the time was a home run. In 2019, 78% of the time that ball was a home run. In 2020, 87% of the time that ball was a home run. Last year, 84% of the time that ball was a home run. And this season, 26% of the time that ball has been a home run. So um, it just goes to show that guys are hitting the ball hard and at good launch angles just like past years. And the results are completely different. Um of course, the pitchers get better and better every year, but the ball is definitely different. I think it's going to create a lot of scenarios where, uh, you know, these games that used to be three hitters, two hitters could become no hitters, and yeah. we could see some crazy numbers in that regard. But also, also worth noting, Travis, um, the ball is definitely different, but the pitchers seem like they get better and better every year by just leaps and bounds. I saw like this video of Gosman throwing his like circle change or splitter or whatever it is. It's like Frisbee. And, and yeah. it was it was just crazy how much it broke inside. And someone said, guys didn't throw pitches like this 20 years ago. Like, yeah. You just didn't see balls move like that. Like Wiffle ball. They're, they're, they're getting so <laughs> much better at this stuff. And I think once these pitchers have really kind of figured out the post spider tack kind of thing, um, they're doing crazy stuff. Yeah. And, and uh, I'm excited to see how... I guess the season shapes up. I think the offense. Um, I mean, just last is, year in the playoffs, we saw Logan Webb throw. You know, his sinker was. Oh yeah, I, it's, I, 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 it's I, don't, I don't know if a righty could hit it. I mean, it was. It, it was, it was stupid. Dodgers had an elite, elite batting lineup, and he was. I think had a might one fooling him, yeah. one run in like eighty innings yeah. or something like that in the in that big game five, but in the in the NLDS. But yeah, there's. Uh, so much to be excited about the pitchers are super good this year um and the batters are always of course going to put up a fight as always but that pretty much wraps up this episode travis um just go back to 2019 baseballs with spider tech and let both sides be happy i, I honestly just let's say I, i'm i'm so tired i mean it, it's 
You're tired, I, you're tired of hearing it, right? I'm tired of hearing it because you know the res- I, I do see the results. The, 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 there are some balls that you just are like, wow, that ball is leaving the ballpark. And then it's, I think there's been like five Stanton just like, yeah, it, it looks like he hit the ball to freaking like Mars, and it gets caught the warning track. I'm like, wait, yeah. what? And yeah. they're at Yankee Stadium. It's yeah, like, you, wait, he, what just and, and you even hear it too, and you're just like, oh, that 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 ball's. 500 feet but it just goes you know 380 and so is at the um, wall just grabbing it. I, I'm, I'm sick of it too because you're right I I, I do wish you know I, I know pitchers are going to say we don't like home runs but I know the common fan likes to see home runs I think we just go back to that let the pitchers you know I, I saw a quote too that last year at the whole spider attack you know hitters are using pine tar to grip their tool or their you know weapon you could say and then you know Someone said on the pitching side, well, we need something to grip our tool or our weapon, the baseball. So I see both sides of it. And, you know, I mean, it, I, I mean, we're not we're not getting in an age where, you're, you know, of course, you're, you're you're putting substances in your arms or your body that, you know, is going to make you look like a freak, you know, back in the 2000s, uh, you know, with Bonds and Sosa and McGuire and all these guys. But, you know, it, it's something that's going to be a little bit of a sticky substance to grip the baseball better is really going to be a clear advantage. No, especially if you have these baseballs that are going to be juiced that they were in 2019. You know, Garrett Cole might be able to throw 99 mile an hour, you know, slider or, or cutter, but Trout makes contact with that. That ball's going to go 500 feet, you know. So it, there's kind of a, a, a even balance I see with both sides right there. So I, I'm sick and tired of hearing about it. And yeah. I, I just wish we just stop it. And I guarantee that baseball and, uh, you know, commissioner this next offseason, they will have a heated discussion on that because the players union is probably going to be very upset with what they've been seeing with these baseballs and and also with the hit by pitches i mean people are I, saying, I was gonna say yeah I, uh, I was i was gonna say that um since we brought up the topic of the balls uh bassett had a quote uh the mets pitcher about like my guys keep getting beaned and it is crazy yeah. every day we see some like fight breakout of some pitcher yelling back because he almost gets hit in the head like it's, yeah. it like or like you like trout got smoked on the hand and like i'm like did we just did our is our season over like the trout just break his hand and like we're just done i was almost but, yeah but yeah it's like these guys are getting beamed uh, at a crazy rate and you know i i i don't at all blame these relief pitchers who go out there with these balls that they probably didn't get to you know use in the offseason obviously yeah, yeah. they're probably using some different ball everyone who uses the ball says it grips weirdly um it's i don't know if it's like slick or it just it just does not have the same um grip as years past also you went from guys being able to use spire tack and even rosin and sunscreen yeah. or whatever it was to just cold turkey like naked balls and a lot Stupid. of a lot yeah. of pitchers said okay maybe some guys went too far with spire tack and like it was getting out of hand like of you know some of these elite swing and miss numbers but going cold turkey now punishing everybody and having no sticky substance at all has made more hit by pitches. Uh, some guys even injured, according to um, Glass now. He yeah. believes he was injured because of the lack of the sticky stuff. Um, he feels comfortable with that. Uh, so injuries, hit by pitches, um, and then just like some of these weird, just like, you know, I see I see like uh, a, a guy like, you know, Otani or Rizal Iglesias, like throw a fastball like five, like five feet outside the zone. I'm like, okay, that like, that seemed like there's something wrong with the ball. Like, I'm not gonna yeah. blame the guy for this. Like, yeah. I, I, don't I guess I'm just of the mindset that like, I wish there was more standardization regulation. Everyone who was in the Olympics was praising that ball during the Olympics. I remember they were all saying like, "This ball is great. Like, how come we can't use this ball all the time?" But, Interesting. But yeah. uh, either way, MLB definitely has something to figure out with that. There will be talks, like you said. I remember last year the Pete Alonso quote saying that like, "Oh, 
they definitely use a more juiced ball for like the the, the big games because they want to see the big home runs on Sunday <laughs> yeah, night. Yeah. And, and and the proof was in the pudding because some of those big games had like these monster shots. Like of course, Jorge Soler. <laughs> well, well, right. I mean, I, yeah. Postseason stuff. Maybe they used a more juiced ball because some of the home runs were off the charts. But even like the regular season, like the Mets. Yankees game where uh, Lindor had like three home runs or whatever mm, it was, and like mm. Stan had a, a two or one home run. Like just everyone's going off the charts. Or even the uh, the 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 Iowa game, uh, White Sox and Yankees. One hundred one hundred percent. That had so many home runs. I mean, three home runs in the ninth inning. Yeah, just like yeah, craziness. But yeah. and, um, and and to me that's just so shady. You, you just just stop. just what, be clear. What, just what be other clear. sport changes yeah. the ball every other season? I think be, if you change the basketball in an NBA game, everyone's shooting like. 10% the next game. It, yeah, it's going to throw yeah, everybody off. Yeah. It's going to be crazy. It's, but. it's to me, it's just, it's, it, they need to just figure out something that everyone can be happy with. And it, it, I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous right now with, with, with what we're discussing, we're having about a baseball. So hopefully that gets fixed in the, uh, in the near future, but they probably won't of course have that done until the season's end. So if Mike Trout finishes with 39 home runs this year, I will be majorly pissed you, you, you will you will know why that, yeah. that will equate to 50 home runs in a season so it, especially if this year if you see the power numbers if no one has you know 50 or no one has like you know high 40s it'll definitely be a question that we'll have to ask you know in the off season as you know why the power numbers go down so so much it's like oh well, the baseball was and changed it, drastically and that's know? how it goes like i think if you look at the 2014 like ops numbers trout was like an mvp with like i think the ops was like a nine like 80 or something yeah, like that yeah. and like that's like a, one of his lowest numbers of a career exactly um that's just because of the era right and then like 2019 everyone was a thousand ops kind of guys definitely. so yeah that, that's just how it goes and hoping that you know this season i mean it'll 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 all work itself out i'm sure so i'm just excited for a good you know uh next month and uh and then the following month so that pretty much wraps up everything travis yeah good episode Kind of long again, kind of back into our rhythm of like a nice <laughs> mid-season episode. We're kind of in full swing, full speed ahead, um, you know, excited for the upcoming weeks. So uh, if you made it this far, thank you so much for listening. You know, like and subscribe as always. Next week, the goal is going to be having webcams so we can actually show you guys our faces and expressions and the way we look shocked at each other when we tell each other crazy stats but yeah uh the memes will be will be going crazy hopefully yeah. we have some youtube highlights in the future going on but yeah we'll, we'll see how it goes uh but if you made it this far thanks so much we appreciate all your support and talk to you guys next week presented by tool tools podcast <laughs>